When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My people, it is Mike, and this is not an ad, just reminding you that we are doing a live podcast on Thursday, September 29th at Cedar Ridge Distillery in Swisher, Iowa. Tickets will sell out if they haven't already. So if you want some, you click the link in the episode notes immediately. We are reviewing Roadhouse Ooh. live in front of a studio audience. It's going to be awesome. That sways. Start the, start the show, I guess. Just, for, just okay. do it. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Confused Breakfast Podcast. Do you remember the pure joy of a trip to the video rental store as a kid? Yeah. The excitement of walking down the aisles, browsing the names in the artwork, and finally picking out the movie you're going to take home with you. Sure, it's hard to beat the ease of the modern era and streaming platforms where you don't even have to leave your couch, but there's something truly special about getting in your car, listening to K-Billy's Super Sounds mm. of the 70s on the way to the movie rental store, and picking out your favorite movie to take home with you. On this podcast, we revisit and dissect some of our favorite childhood movies from the magical era to see if they still move us the way they did as kids. I'm your host, Mike Schulte, and joining me as always, Mr. Black and Mr. Green. Hey. How the heck are you? I'm great, man. All right. I call Mr. Black. I want to be Mr. Black. I was leaving it up to whoever just felt like saying I'll be Mr. So. Black. It'll be fine. You're <laughs> Mr. Black. I'm Mr. Green, and that's going to be the way it is. You're Mr. Black. Some guy on some other job is Mr. Yellow. <laughs> Mr. Purple. <laughs> Mr. Purple. Mr. Purple. You're not, you're not Mr. Purple. You're Mr. Pink. Of course. He has a fucking perfect <laughs> Lawrence Tierney. I don't a know how. Great say, Lawrence Tierney say, say Remy Martin for me real quick. Remy Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, it is time to introduce today's movie, my friends. On this episode, we discuss the directorial major film debut of one of the most famous directors of all time, a movie that changed the game for aspiring filmmakers worldwide and made us all never able to listen to Stuck in the Middle with You the same way again. Mm -hmm. Number 91 top-rated movie on IMDb. <laughs> DBBB hey, Double B's Maybe <laughs> We are of course talking about 1992's Reservoir Dog I bet Tarantino likes Mortal Kombat And I bet he likes I that song I highly think he does not like it I bet he does <laughs> Let's I, ask him. I really want him to be a Mortal Kombat fan. I would love that. <laughs> and today's guest, we have Quentin Tarantino hey, here. Come on in. Come on into Sean the has pissed door. himself. Oh, yeah. my God. I just died. <laughs> uh, for those looking to find the movie, as of the recording of this episode in early July 2022, HBO Max, Lord and Savior, has yep. it. 
I think it's got most of the Tarantino movies. Yeah, there's Jackie Brown's on there. Mm-hmm. Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 are on Can there. Can you believe that? H-Bell. H-Bell. <laughs> yeah, KBBBB. <laughs> uh, so in order to properly dissect and review this movie with a modern eye, we must first discuss it with pure nostalgia. AJ, let's start with you. Tell us the first time you saw this movie and what your nostalgic rating is. I've never seen it. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, so I had a buddy, Michael Blackman, and he was like... I it, it pains me to say it because I know like he was he, he, we probably picked on him a little bit, but at the same time <laughs> no, he was a very no. good friend of mine. That's one of you're stuttering so much. And, yeah, because I didn't I don't feel good about that. But at the same time, uh, you know, we did hang out. He was like obviously we did because he was like the smartest person that I knew. Um, so that's just what you do because totally it's the nineties, right? <laughs> that's just what you. Yeah. But anyways, that's what all movies taught us. You just pick on the smartest person anyways. No, uh, but he was a really good friend and now he's like, I think he's part of like the New York bar and he's, he, he's literally an Esquire. Oh wow. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he went on to do some good, good things. You're sitting in a chair talking in a microphone. Right? Exactly. <laughs> we, we, we had different paths. Uh, Fine. yeah. And so, but he told me about this movie. He's like, and he would ask me, he's like, have you ever seen Reservoir Dogs? Keep in mind, we're like 12. <laughs> he, oh, yeah. He's just a movie buff, you know? And he, I was like, no, I've never seen this movie. I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, well, he's like, you'll never listen to, like, Stuck in the Middle with You the same way yep. ever again. And he was right. And he was absolutely right. We were 12. Uh, <laughs> and you're like, what's Stuck in the Middle with You? Yeah. And never. I knew the song okay. because I think we were listening to the song, but okay. he was like, have you ever seen Bro. Reservoir Dogs? Have you ever and seen Reservoir Dogs on weed? So, on weed. <laughs> <laughs> we were 12. Uh, <laughs> I know. Small town Iowa, bro. You're right, you're right. Uh, no, but, like, and then from there, I did finally see it, and I didn't get it. Like, I really didn't get it. I did. I thought it was kind of boring. I was like, it's a lot of talking. I was like, well, did the thing already happen? Like, I thought I came into it in the middle. I'm notorious <laughs> for this. And, uh, but I, a movie I, that finally justifies your way of watching. Yeah, movies. exactly. You know, like, see, Tarantino gets me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But anyways, I I didn't really I didn't really get it. I thought I missed something, and uh, that's kind of the way I went about it, like watching the movie. So I would honestly just have to just give this a straight up five, straight up nice. five. This is nostalgic. This is your first yeah. watch, Sean. What about you? We'll get into it as we go along. But uh, I mean, I had to first have seen it. Just just like getting into cinema, I was given videotapes. I was given like Full Metal Jacket, check out Stanley Kubrick. I was given uh, Goodfellas, check out Martin Scorsese. I was given Reservoir Dogs, check out Quentin Tarantino. And I rented this from Hollywood Video. And as soon as the first scene ended and it went into Little Green Bag, I was like, what is going on here? This is, I've never seen this before in my entire life in a Amazing this follows way. no design patterns. <laughs> yeah, this is not like scores. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> this this was uh, uh, this was a pinnacle movie for me, and I think this is uh, in my top five favorite movies of all time, just because of how much it influenced me. And that's everyone, every budding filmmaker can say that probably. But it was everything to me. I watched it so many times back then. This is like the the era of watching. Uh, uh, special features and everything like that, wanting to know way more about what the hell's going on. Um, back then, man, I thought it was my favorite movie of all time, so I have to give it a 10. Favorite movie of all time for the Shawners. Uh, I saw Pulp Fiction first, like many people. Then I went back to this. Definitely liked Pulp Fiction better. It was more polished. Um, so this was like, I, I love Pulp Fiction. So this was like, okay, right? It was like, 
the first time. I liked the dialogue. I I related to some of the aspects of it, as we'll get into later. Great soundtrack, great storytelling, but but not as good as Pulp Fiction. So nostalgically, I'm a seven. Just first watch, like oh, pretty good movie. And Tyler Dark, executive producer, this is his choice. He has chosen this movie. Good choice. Mm. He said, this is definitely one I watched when I was a teen, probably 15 to 16 years old. I was excited to see another Quentin Tarantino film hot off the heels of watching Kill Bill Parts 1 and 2. I was a fiend for action and expected all of his movies to be off-the-wall kill fests. Needless to say, I was surprised when I watched this one and found out it was a kind of whodunit, but for the bad guys. I remember not liking this movie, actually, until I watched it for a second time and really sat down and watched the movie for what it was, not what I thought it was supposed to be. So this may be kind of cheating, but I'm going to nostalgically rate this movie based on the second viewing and not the first, and that score is going to be a solid 7.5. Oh, yeah. Before I leave you all for the modern review, I want to ask if you haven't already said before this, what are your colors? I think I'd like to be Mr. <laughs> Green. He wants to be Mr. Green. I- I'm Mr. Pink. Mr. Pink's great. I think we're not we're not picking based off the movie. We're just picking off of colors. Like yeah, I, I want to yeah, be yeah. Mr. Pink. Oh, you just want to be a color. Just, just watch be, your color. Just yeah. watch your color. I'm Mr. Pink. Okay. Mr. Blonde is so fucking badass, but it I think cool. I have to go Mr. Orange because because I'm a Flyers love. Oh yeah. Oh wow. I think I'd be uh, Mr. Purple. Nice. Mr. Purple. Mr. Purple. You were on that other job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a different job. Yeah. 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 I love it. <laughs> so nostalgically, we are a seven point three eight. Uh, that's going to put us, it's getting to the top. Um, it was actually a little more middle there. That is slightly better than Jurassic Park, slightly worse than Uncle Buck. Nostalgically. Wow. And again, we don't put much We don't put much stock, stock into that because yeah. it's just like whatever. I mean, it's just weird. Right. Yeah. I love all those movies. Let's do a triple feature. <laughs> do you, do you, when you say uh, you don't put too much stock, is it like stock like, you know, vet, like yes. broth? Correct. Or is it stock like the, the market? No, bo- both. B- yeah. Okay. It's broth market. Okay. <laughs> market broth. <laughs> yeah, you can find that at confusedbreakfast.com. Hey, all right. Oh, market broth. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> well, thankfully, our, uh, our amazing sponsor does not make broth. <laughs> we want to tell you about our amazing sponsor, Pepper Joe's. The results are Ooh, in. Yeah. You guys have been ordering some of their products and absolutely loving it. Us too. I think I've made three different orders now. Yeah, I was just like, I'll just get one more beef jerky, and then I eat it. And I, then, well, I need, <laughs> I need more beef jerky. I've decided I'm going to order up a, a going to get the Scotch bonnet plant. The, cool. The, the seedling. Nice. Yes, I'm going to get one. I'm going to try it out. I think you should make a YouTube video of it. I will do it. <laughs> If you love spicy foods, you're going to love Pepper Joe's. Not only are the products truly incredible, but the variety is out of this world from salsas and jerkies, sauces and spices, and more. You're sure to find the spicy snack you're craving. They even, like AJ said, you can order seeds to grow plants. You can order live plants to do from home. They uh, essentially at the greenhouse here in Iowa, they're growing the hottest peppers and can deliver them straight to your doorstep. Ghost, Carolina Reaper, Habanero, Scorpion, Cayenne, Jalapeno, and more from mild to extreme. They have you covered. They hooked us up with a huge box of stuff. We've got a few things here. We've got a Carolina Reaper summer sausage, yeah, which is unreal, by the way. We've got ghost pepper salsa, and they actually have a chocolate bar. It's like a Carolina Reaper chocolate bar. Raging Reaper chocolate bar. I'm scared as shit to try that. (laughs) I want to try it, though, but I also don't want to undo the packaging because it's correct. It looks dope. Technically, I have to try it on this episode. Technically. Uh, so technically. After. We'll, we'll have you try it well, just in case you die. Technically. 
We got a, a Pepper Joe's hot take segment taking place later in the show. We'll give you a hot take about this movie. Stay tuned. If you're ready to spice up your life, head to PepperJoe's.com. New customers get 10% off their first order with promo code CONFUSED. PepperJoe's.com. Load that cart up. Awesome, hot, and spicy stuff because it's your first time. You get 10% off. Promo code CONFUSED. Do it. Support this amazing sponsor who supports this podcast. Yeah. Love it. Next, it's time to learn all the pertinent, important details of the movie. Sean, try to keep it under five minutes if you can, please. I was born for this. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even need my notes. Yeah, (laughs) honestly. I mean, it is right there. Uh, Produced by Lawrence Bender. Edited by Sally Menke. 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 R.I.P. A longtime collaborator of of Tarantino until Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. Director of photography, Andre Sukala. Makeup effects by the great KNB. Written and directed by God himself, Quentin Tarantino. (laughs) Cast. Tim Roth, Harvey Keitel, Michael Madsen, Steve Buscemi, Lawrence Tierney, Chris Penn, Eddie Bunker, Kirk Boltz, Randy Brooks, and Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino was working at a video store called Video Archives in Manhattan Beach, California, where he would gain a lot of knowledge in cinema and in, in general and spread his knowledge to customers. Quentin sold many scripts at this time, including True Romance to St- Tony Scott and Natural Born Killers to Oliver Stone. Many directors wanted the script for Reservoir Dogs, including Tony Scott, but Tarantino wanted to keep it for his first feature. Technically, he had a first feature before. It's called My Best Friend's Wedding. Right, right. <clears throat> it wasn't really theatrical. It was kind of just like a, a, a really underground indie kind of thing. If it hasn't happened yet that Tarantino's had a cameo as a video store clerk, like stocking oh a shelf. Oh, my God. And then like going around and being like, and like making recommendation. The kid's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you don't yeah. want that. If that hasn't happened, I just need that somewhere, somehow. Please. Anytime, Hollywood, I'll leave it up to you. I have like four scripts with you in mind, Tarantino. (laughs) (laughs) Sean, I'll leave it up to you. He originally wanted to shoot the film with his buddies at the video store for $30,000 and in black and white 16-millimeter film. But Lawrence Bender sent the script to his acting teacher who sent the script to Harvey Keitel, who garnered much interest in the film and moved the budget up to $1.5 million. Just because of Harvey. Harvey's like... Hi. He's, he's got that Scorsese cred, you yeah, know? Of he's got that Scorsese cred. That Scorsese. <laughs> the film was shot in five weeks with relative ease, besides actor Lawrence Tierney being a bit difficult on set. He almost had a fight with Tarantino. Actually, I think it came to like pushing and shoving on set, and he was really difficult with all the crew. Uh, and when Tarantino kind of put him in his place, the crew clapped for Tarantino. <laughs> uh, five weeks in and around... Shoot uh, this piece of shit. <laughs> I changed my mind. Five weeks in and around L.A., with the warehouse being an abandoned mortuary and most of the outside scenes, including the out, the shootout scene with Mr. Pink shot guerrilla style due to its low budget. So literally they waited for a red light. At that scene where Mr. Pink is shooting out with the cops, they rated for a red light and just kind of like, okay, let's go get it. And wow. Can hoped. you imagine having pulled up at that intersection and watched? And clearly they're shooting. You see the cameras yeah. being like, what the fuck is that? And yeah. it turns out it was Reservoir Dogs. It's just, <laughs> oh, my God. I can't imagine. I mean, like, even nowadays, we're just like g- gun firing. You can't go anywhere yeah. without it, apparently. Uh, kidding. <laughs> Reservoir Dogs had a disastrous first screening with the film being shot in scope, and the projector not having a scope lens the film looked awful in addition to the power going out at the Mexican standoff climax. Oh, Literally, what? so the, the, the 
film was shot in scope, so it's kind of wide. So, okay, yeah. And so the 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 projector did not have a scope lens, and mm. so it was literally like All squished. And so everyone looked way taller. It was double tap the screen. Exactly. And they went, <laughs> 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 Uh, oh. After a successful festival run, the film was picked up by Miramax and made $2.8 million in about 61 theaters and has gone on to skyrocket Tarantino's career as one of our finest filmmakers. Trivia time. I got, I got intrigued by this. I wanted this. Since Tarantino uses so many different actors, or, or, or some of the same actors in his movies, do you know? I looked up who has been in his movies how many times. Mm. Do you know who's been in Tarantino movies the most? Tarantino. I want to say, and that's a that's a good God, answer. I was trying to stump Sean. It's oh, Tarantino. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I didn't know. That's kind of a trick question because you don't you don't think of it. Tarantino was in eight movies. Okay, because he's been in every movie, right? But who's next? I uh, want to say Tim Roth or Sam Jackson. Harvey. Harvey Keaton. So Sam Jackson five, Keitel four, uh, Roth and Madsen three, and Buscemi two. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Crazy, huh? But that Tar- that's a trick question. I'm sorry, I didn't. I, I literally didn't know. I promise, I did I not know. I thought Sean was gonna be like, "You stupid idiot!" <laughs> Samuel Jackson. That'd be so idiot. dumb. <laughs> well, <laughs> actually, well, before we get in the next segment, we know that you guys all have at least one friend who loves this movie just as much as you do. Hit the little share icon on your podcast app. Directly message this episode to him. Sharing is caring, and it's one of the absolute best ways you can continue to support this podcast. Check out our website, confusedbreakfast.com. Grab some t-shirts, stickers, do all that shit. Yeah. And uh, get caught up on our episodes on YouTube. What, it, we look totally different in person than you can imagine. Turns Weird. out. Support us on Patreon. Get access to more than like 80 hours of bonus audio now. Having conversations about fun stuff. Patreon.com slash Confused Breakfast. Up next, we have AJ, who does the research and the ratings. Very interesting. Critical in and fan ratings and reviews to share. AJ, what do you have? <laughs> Guys, we got to go just as red as a lot of this movie is. We are starting with the, the tomato, tomato meter. <laughs> Gross. Uh-oh. Not at all. <laughs> Not gross? Uh-oh. It's ain't gross. I mean, it's pretty bloody, but... Uh. <laughs> Certified fresh at 90%. 90%. That is is the 11th highest uh, Rotten Tomatoes uh, tomato media rating that we have of any movie we've done. It's slightly above Breakfast Club, slightly below Stand By Me. That's right. That's a triple feature right there, baby. Audiences love it too. 94% uh, on that rating. And uh, IMDb is an 8.3%. That's our number four of any movie wow. we've done. Jeez. Right below The Shining, right above Jurassic Park. That's below The Shining and above the Jurassic Shining Park? Shining is 8.4. Reservoir Dogs is 8.3. Jurassic Park wow. is 8.1. Jeez. Good company. Yeah, that's good company right there. There is a lot of high ratings from critics on this movie. Ty Burr, Entertainment Weekly. You may not like the terms Tarantino sets, but you have to admit he succeeds on them. Uh, Another 100, Mick LaSalle, San San Francisco Chronicle, a brutal movie, brutal in all the right ways, brutally stark, brutally funny, brutally brutal. (laughs) 
<laughs> I just like that. That's cool. Sounds like a band name. Um, really brutal. Couple of those are a couple of hundreds. Here's some 63s from our boys, both Rajiv and Siski. Let's wow. go. Yeah, uh, Chicago Tribune and the Sun Times both gave him a 63. Uh, Gene Siskel said Tarantino's debut directing job acknowledges the sloppiness and silences that are typically squeezed out of most crime films. But we get to the point early on, and the remainder is macho posturing. I guess that's Siski. That's Siski's. Yeah, well, you know, see, like we like, we like Rajiv. Rajiv. It's fun to like see like critics like do a, a major filmmaker's first movie because because yeah. they don't not, know and not know what's going to happen. Yeah, very know? true. Yeah, I oh, take it back. <laughs> yeah. Love me, please. Uh, uh, redo, redo, do over. Uh, Sixty three. Rajiv gave it. Uh, so he said, the part that needs work didn't cost money. It's the screenplay. Having created the characters and fashioned the outline, Tarantino doesn't do much with his characters except to let them talk too much, especially when they should be unconscious from shock and loss of blood. <laughs> Fair enough. I didn't believe it. Well, it's not believable. He's lost too much blood. I'm a doctor. <laughs> doctor Raj. I'm a doctor. So... Movies. Uh, well, <laughs> Doctor of movies. Doctor of movies. Uh, one out of ten. This is overrated by uh. Pervs Grundy. <laughs> I really wanted to say that. That is a great name. <laughs> I really wanted to say that straight face. I couldn't. Oh, man. <laughs> Pervs Grundy. <laughs> Damn oh. it. We need more of his reviews. <laughs> Yeah. We got can Rajiv you, and Burbs. Can you click? Can you click on that username and see other movies that they reviewed? I don't know, but I'll check tr- that I'll out try next time. Because if you find if you find somebody that we really hate, <laughs> yeah. you need to read more of their reviews. Yeah, you need to keep going. Because you know they did more. Yeah. <laughs> I would like to hear a weekly segment from Pervs Grundy. <laughs> We'll we'll continue to do this guy's reviews until that person actually reaches out to yeah. us and goes, "That's me." <laughs> We have our executives, and we just have Pervs Grundy as well. <laughs> Pervs Grundy didn't pay shit to do it. <laughs> Fucking losing it. Uh, We're good. We're good. He said, one out of ten, overrated was the title. I first saw this film when I was 15. I thought it was brilliant, really original, and generally great. However, now oh. Oh. he's older. Three years later, I realized it's nothing more than a pretentious piece of garbage. Sure, it looks good, but when you really get down to it, it's not doing anything. It doesn't have any real substance. It's not commenting on anything. It's just a total, th- totally throwaway product. Tarantino is talking loudly and saying nothing. And, that's, and that narrative structure, it looks and feels original, but independent and foreign movies have been doing it better for years and years. A truly trashy piece of postmodernism at its worst. That's okay. Speaking of pretentious piece of garbage, he <laughs> ended that with that line. <laughs> um, I'm 18. I'm 18, and I know what the world is now. <laughs> <laughs> Three years ago, I was stupid. <laughs> now but I'm now smart. I'm smart. <laughs> I also I think cigarettes. every Christopher Nolan movie is trash. <laughs> Except for except for the Dark Knight, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> Can't wait to see what Michael Bay does, though. Yeah, <laughs> Michael Bay's Batman. <laughs> Maybe yeah, I want that. Uh, Jerry no. Brokheimer already did it. Yeah, or Jerry Schumacher. So. <laughs> this is a one out of ten. This is a bad film. <laughs> okay. I don't know what they're. I can't even read their uh, their username. I watch a lot of Quentin Tarantino films. 
even some of them more than once. And I loved all of them. But this film was real terrible and makes me disappointed. If you read this, don't watch this film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Django, Hateful Eight, Kill Bill, those are the films I recommend to watch. Okay. Again, I uh, like I've done this before. I was like, I'm gonna watch Reservoir Dogs for the first time. Right as I'm about hit to play, I yeah. go, wait, hold on. Let me go let me go read some reviews. <laughs> I better make sure. Oh, this guy warned me I shouldn't watch it. I'm not gonna hit play. Uh, thank God I oh, thank, thank God. God. Thank God for Purvis. I can- <laughs> <laughs> Grundy. Purvis Grundy. Uh, you, you click out of Reservoir Dogs and you go, Okay, Citizen oh. Kane it is. <sighs> Citizen Kane, you got it. Uh, how about a 10 out of 10? Let's go positive there here, guys. Go. Finish this out strong. Joel Schumacher, not Jerry. Sorry. J- oh, Jerry. Jerry Bruckheimer. <laughs> Joel Bruckheimer. <laughs> a stage play adapted for screen. So I thought. Oh. Said Dan Sandiford. Probably the cleanest, leanest writing I've ever heard. Being relatively low on action, but highly descriptive, a play was my natural inclination. Informed and intelligent dialogue became Tarantino's trademark. Oh, okay, great. Sure I don't, did. I don't think it was adapted from a play. No, it friendo, wasn't. But uh, I, but I get what you said. It could be a play. It, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I know. I think maybe we'll, we'll say this later, but I'll say it right now. Definitely feels like the same vein as like um, Glengarry Glenn Ross kind of vibes. You know that yeah. kind of a point. So yeah. Anyways. There it is, guys. Cool, man. Cool. Well, before we get started on the scene-by-scene breakdown of Reservoir Dogs, I want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor, Cedar Ridge Distillery. We know they're amazing and likely the best whiskey distiller in the world, and so do you, especially if you bought a bottle because you listen to us. But I want to tell you about this article we saw on GoBourbon.com. They pointed out that Cedar Ridge is the only craft distillery in America to be a state's number one overall best-selling whiskey. Here's their quote. In 49 states, a major distillery produces the number one best-selling bourbon in the state. In many cases, this is Jim Beam, Maker's Marker, Jack Daniels. 49 states, right? Wow. But that is not the case in Iowa, where Cedar Ridge has been the number one for two straight years, outselling the nearest major distillery competitor by some 35%. Damn. It is insane. I do believe that Iowans are more loyal than than other states out there. I believe that Iowans are nicer than other states out there. Could be. So I do think that is a factor, but I also do truly believe that a bottle of Cedar Ridge blows out every other competitor out of the water. And we're, you know, like we're lucky that they support us. They are supporting this podcast because we are local and they're local, but we truly do believe like these accolades are speaking themselves. We're not just trying to sell you like fucking piss water and shit like that you yeah. know like this is legit and the stats are are mind-blowing and they are growing at an insane rate so it's crazy you heard it here first cedar ridge whiskey is insane one of the best in the world uh first iowa next to your state you got to check them out stop by a liquor store pick some up if you don't have any in your state you can order a bottle directly online at cedarridgewhiskey.com stop by their website add them on social media check them out in person in Swisher, Iowa. Tell them you confused breakfast is your favorite, and we told them about it. Whatever. Who cares? Just grab a bottle and drink responsibly. Go That's all it, we guys. care about. Just go do it. Just go do it. <laughs> Quit being an idiot and just go do, do it. CedarRidgeWhiskey.com. Well, boys, first things fucking last. What do you say we bring our criminal skills to the table and join a ragtag team of misfits to pull off a diamond heist? Mm. We don't know each other's names, but we've got each other's colors. Everything should work out just fine, right? It should. Mm. I need you cool. Are you cool? I'm cool. 
Here we go. <laughs> The film opens with eight men eating breakfast at a diner. Mr. Blonde, Mr. Blue, Mr. Brown, Mr. Orange, Mr. Pink, Mr. White, Joe, and his son, Nice Guy Eddie. After some discussion, they leave the diner. Flash forward to Mr. White driving a car and trying to comfort Mr. Orange, laying in the back seat who has been shot. They arrive at abandoned warehouse, the robber's rendezvous point. Orange begs White to take him to an emergency room. Mr. Pink arrives, and they discuss what happened to Pink during the heist. Okay. Okay. Go ahead, AJ. Well, I was going to say, opening scene here. Uh, it's not like opening credits necessarily by the way it kicks in, but... Let me I, tell you what like a version of it. Yeah. yeah the, this conversation, and this is kind of classic Tarantino conversation yeah. that he loves to just inject This is into something people. he thought about the other day, and he's yeah. like, oh, that'd be really funny if yeah. I just put in that conversation in a movie. And it's a classic like kind of Tarantino monologue. Like You'll see him do this in some other things as well. Not even his own movies sometimes, but I think I I read that he was he originally wanted to be Mr. Pink, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. He wanted to be who Steve Buscemi is in right. this movie, and then I think that this scene even was just like a last minute ad or something, wasn't it? Yeah, I think this scene was a last minute ad, but like he he told Steve, Steve Buscemi was like, "This is the Mr. Pink is who I want to play. Like I don't I I I don't want to pl- I don't want to be in this movie if I can't be Mr. Pink." And so uh, Tarantino was like, "Well, I'm." gonna be mr pink so if you don't blow me away by uh, your audition then it's not gonna happen and obviously he we have, have what we have Buscemi. Yeah. i'm glad that he didn't make the choice because if let's say tarantino would have been mr pink it'd been a lot he it, it, it would have been too much i like tarantino's small roles in his film yes. yeah i am perfectly fine with that but i don't want him to be a main character in right the movie. and pink would have been a lot of screen time yeah and that might have altered the future of his roles in movies potentially, no, right? I think so. You think? Because yeah. like I, I love Tarantino in small doses on the screen. He's he's a, obviously a great writer and director, but like he's an okay actor, <laughs> right? But like he's but okay actors are good in small bits, you know. Like him in Pulp Fiction is a great part, perfect. You know him and him and Django and Chain is is okay yeah. as the Australian like yeah. uh, slave owner <laughs> is like okay, but he gets blown up, and so it's like that's fun. Okay, but, cool. You know. I, I looked at the uh, the script. If you look at the script of this movie, like I had to, I wanted to go through because there were some parts I wanted to try to understand what they were saying. Uh, like even in the background, we'll get there. Uh, but I wanted to kind of read through some of this opening like conversation because there's three conversations basically going on. Yeah. And so Toby Wong, Toby, Toby Chu, <laughs> Toby, 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 Toby Wong, Toby Wong, Toby Chan, fucking Charlie, fucking Chan. Charlie Chan. <laughs> I, I got uh, Madonna's big dick coming in my left ear. That's a lot of dicks. That's a lot of how many dicks is that? <laughs> a, lot, a lot. So, but if you read through now, maybe this is a fuck up. I don't know. But in the script that I read that I found online, the the speaking parts of everything were actually different. They were to different people. Mm. Mr. Pink is actually the one telling the Madonna story, right. not uh. Mr. Brown. And then Mr. White was actually the one who doesn't tip. Mm, you know, weird. so there was actually so they moved conversation around. It seems like to fit the maybe the circle better, the camera uh, that's maybe. circling, maybe to keep the flow going of the conversation between people. Maybe even the personalities of the out. actors as well. Yeah, maybe that shined through. But I thought that was really interesting. I was like, they it's like they adjusted on the fly. Yeah, they must have. You're you're an absolute insane person, and you're not in tune with your true self, and you're a liar. 
if you don't tell me that at some point you heard Steve Buscemi, Mr. Pink's tipping thing, and you were like, 100%. Yep. I, I'm, I agree. Tell them to get another fucking job if they don't. For, if, I, I first watched this movie, I'm like, when I grow up, I'm never gonna be. I'm never gonna be a tip man. I'm never gonna tip anybody in my entire life. And then I was 19 and 20, yeah. and I'm like, ah. yeah. My girlfriend right now, where has her side job? She's a server, and it's like she makes like three bucks an hour. Lives on tips. It's. It is a mess. We have the worst. Si- the American system it's is ridiculous. is so stupid and messed up. It's ridiculous. It, you go to Europe. I I left a quarter on a on a bar a qu- like a, a the equivalent of a quarter yeah. like a dime piece in England. I left it on a bar when I ordered beer and they chased me down <laughs> and gave it back to me not as like a here's your tip like in waiting. It's they're like no bro. Hey, sorry, sorry. You- this you need to keep this. You do not you do not tip pretty much everywhere in the world except yeah. for America but yet some some jobs deem this tip worthy and some don't they're like you can you, if you feel like you had insane service and food you sh- you could leave a euro on yes. the table yeah. or something yes. that's what they say and that's but and, yeah and then they even talk about it it was 12 12% 12% was what it was back then and now it's like if you don't tip 30% you're an asshole yeah, yeah. And exactly. that's not that's not the fault of the I, I do believe that every human in this world should have to work like for six months in the service industry. Uh-huh. Because I, I used to believe I used to be a Buscemi. I was like, oh, I'm not gonna tip anybody. And then I worked in the service industry. It's like, oh my God, I'm gonna over tip for the rest of my life. <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> and I love Buscemi. It's so funny watching him. They go, there's a lot of things we're gonna point out about Buscemi. His 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 like mannerisms in this where yeah. you see it in this scene they go okay everybody cough up a buck for a tip and Buscemi like preps himself for because he knows what this conversation is going to be and yeah. he's sort of he's sort of like okay cool I'm ready to roll whenever somebody asks me why I didn't tip I'm ready to go come on throw in a buck <laughs> throw in a buck <laughs> throw in a buck hey this girl is nice you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was okay. She was okay. How many cups of coffee do you guys need when you go and eat lunch? <laughs> you eat two. Breakfast. Two max? Two max. I was going to say two to three, and he's like, I at least want coffee food filled six times. Six times? Jesus Christ. Maybe you, know, you don't need that much, yeah, no. <laughs> Mr. Pink. She's doing you a favor. <laughs> she is doing you a service yeah. by not doing that for you. Tipper for your life. Yeah. <laughs> Sean, what role, what role does Mr. Blue have in this entire movie? Mr. Blue is... Just he's he's in at Eddie Bunker is an actual criminal, a hundred percent. In the in in real life, he uh, committed a lot of robberies in his life, and I think the movie, uh, starring Dustin Hoffman, um, a straight time is like based off of his life, and he's in that movie as well. Um, one of my favorite seventies movies of all times, but uh, I think he's just kind of in there to fill the group out. I think. I mean, he's not obviously like a, a, a like a reoccurring character. And this how is he his dies, only line, right? He dies pretty early, and he's there when they're doing like the the color handouts and everything like that. But I think, I think he's because he became a consultant. Uh, oh, really? For like crime movies too. Weird. Okay. And so I think he might have been there for that as well. But he's also got a good face for film. He does. So, he does. It's a weird looking group of people at that table. Yeah, yeah. and it's interesting. You're like. Who's that guy? Who's this guy? What yeah. the fuck's going on here? And I think that, that that was another point to adding this whole first even scene was to give blue lines, mm. was to give Eddie Bunker lines. I see. And so, like, that was that was another point. Because if uh, every everywhere else, he doesn't have a line in this. No. Right. And we don't even see him die. No, like, we don't see anything. He, he didn't serve a purpose. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's crazy. I uh, I kind of subscribe to Tarantino's argument of like a virgin. Like it, it's <laughs> it's a very good argument. But did you guys hear what didn't Madonna did? Madonna, she liked the movie, right? Madonna really liked the movie, but she sent uh, Tarantino <laughs> her album. I forget what album it was. Is like the. Uh, like a virgin album. I don't know which one it was, but she sent him an album of hers, signed it, and said it's actually about love. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, I, lo- it's I not, love. That. It's not about dick. It's it, about love yes, or something yes. like that. I, I love that. <laughs> I hope he still has that. There was also some some subtle foreshadowing. I don't know if it was in purpose on purpose or not in this scene uh, to, of the identity of the rat is when Joe demands to know which crook didn't contribute to the tip. Mister Orange. Points out Mr. Oh. Pink right away. Mr. Orange snitches on Pink right away. Oh, yeah, okay. A bit of a little uh, subtle foreshadowing, maybe. Interesting. Maybe. You never think about it, yeah. but yeah. Yeah. He doesn't He doesn't tip. Shut up. <laughs> he doesn't believe in it. Shut up. <laughs> little Green Bag by George Baker Selection. Yes. This might be the most, I mean, it's a poster right there. This might be the most iconic, like, slow-mo walkout. Like, I know Swingers yeah. took took like every everyone that has ever filmed anything from a movie to a wedding promo <laughs> like we're like we're getting we're making a video of our wedding day has fucking done this yeah. <laughs> it's i mean yeah that's that's the that's the bachelor party right there it's yes. okay so just uh walk at me in slow motion like you don't know the camera's there <laughs> yeah yeah, oh, sorry, don't walk walk normally. Put on we'll, your sunglasses <laughs> while you do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's it it's ingrained in me. And like ever since I saw this movie, like every like I would be in high school in like algebra class, like not paying attention at all and writing like my own scripts, but they would all start out with Billy. a scene of criminals at a coffee shop and then walking out <laughs> to like a cool song. Of you know, it's it it completely engrossed me as a kid and has just been in my blood ever since. And I can't, like I made a, I called the script red coffee probably just like, Oh yeah. Blood. And, oh, and yeah. they do. And they do breakfast. What's your slow motion walkout song? Oh, didn't you guys do this on I'm super stoked? I mean, there's plenty. I did. I did. You have to pick one right now. Oh, if, if you're, if you're, if you're walking out of a place and there's, there's a camera on you and you want to be in slow motion, what is it? You're wearing a suit. Um, you look real nice. Mezzanine by uh, Massive Attack. Yes, I had a slow motion song like in my head. And now I can't think of it. Mine is What's Fire yours? Breather by Thrice. By Thrice. Um, I think I think mine is Everybody's Talking by Harry Nilsson. <laughs> nice. <laughs> look at you, yeah. Sean. I have a, I have a slight problem though with this this how I mean this is so iconic and this is all I think about when I think about this movie, but. Like it does it suck that it's so like glitchy slow motion or do you like that? Like if I, this was modern era, it would be so smooth. It would be so oh slow motion, but you know it's just so glitchy and because it's just. I think that he could have used a different form of slow mo right. in, in this scene, but uh, well maybe not because like if you usually like film at like thirty five right. or uh, per minute or something like that or like three point five, then it's like when you slow it down, it does get glitchy like that. But if you're at sixty frames per second it's like really smooth yes um and so that could have been the case but it's also a choice because like a lot of a lot of like martin scorsese even will do like the the kind of glitchy slow-mo yeah. for like a an effect right but i agree i think it could have just been way cool like you almost want it you almost want like a remaster of this yeah. movie where they can make that just be like eh. yeah smooth slow motion move it during during like that slow motion like it was a different song he wanted wasn't it? There's there like the song choices that ended up in the movie, like at the iconic scenes, were originally like different. 
Oh, different yeah. choices initially. I think this one was Money by yes. Pink Floyd. Yeah, you're okay. right. They wanted Money. Boom. And it would have worked. Another epic baseline. Yeah, yeah. And so it's, but it wouldn't have had the same effect. No. You know no. what I mean? It would have been a very different vibe. And I wouldn't have found out about this amazing song if it wasn't. It's for very this true. Movie. Like it, money. It's and, his duty to tell you about this great song. And just yeah. like the title of that song, he would have had to pay 1.5 million for that song, probably, oh, which God, is the entire yeah. budget of this movie. He would have had to pay money for it. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> this this is like everything to me like uh what what do you guys think about Stephen wright it's pretty awesome his, oh, his delivery is so it is great. so good if you if you like go on like the special features of the dvd i think they have like outtakes and recordings of like tarantino directing Stephen wright <laughs> really? and it's like oh he's, uh, man i'm just trying like this like tarantino does he's yeah. so, so animated but the Stephen wright's just like okay i'll try like that <laughs> <laughs> Super sounds in the seventies. He, he had some. He had some like uh, pronunciations of some words that I wish I could remember, like off the cuff. That you're, he's just like Net Steelers wheel. You just it's like <laughs> Joe Egan and Jerry Rafferty were Jerry duo Rafferty. known as Steelers <laughs> wheel. Welcome back to Billy's. You know, sounds of the seventies. It's just like he, he just he would roll would through be, like mom, like molasses. I, like, that's who I want my radio announcer sound. Yeah. Not like well, do you want to do my night coming out here for the yes. uh, coming out and get your Playboy done ten ten stickers? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for checking in back with hey. Beth Wax on back to Sean Mendes coming up next. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, I want I want Gay Billy Superstars of the seventies. Settle in for another thirty minute free ride of nonstop Kesha. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> and, and here's and here's Kesha with TikTok on the clock. TikTok yeah. on the clock. Keep it tuned to K Billy. <laughs> Sean, I have questions. Pretty much all my notes are questions for you about this movie. My biggest issue with this movie, and I think it still is today, and I'm, I'm ready to be talked out of this, is Tim Roth's acting in the backseat of the car. Many people are like, oh, my God, this is great. He's so good. But for some reason, it doesn't do it for me, and it still doesn't. Like, he, he's like, he's got that... I'm okay, Larry. Larry. <laughs> like it, it, it feels weird to me. It always has. I remember seeing this for the first time, just being like, "I don't believe this." Yeah, like this, it feels overacting to me. And even on critical rewatch, I love what he's doing because he's incredible. That would be so hard to do that. To act. how do you act like you're in agonizing pain? But I just don't like it. it i still feel like it's like the worst performance of the movie in that that particular scene i love him in the majority of it but that backseat scene for some reason just doesn't do it for me i know what you mean do maybe because for me i confuse it with like a, a a performance issue with just how annoying it kind of is but like a person being in that kind of pain would be that way, you know, like, oh, God, yeah. and I don't know how I would react if I was shot in the gut and if I would be crying like a baby or like wanting someone to hold me or something like that. It's, it's a, it's a weird thing for me. I get what you're saying. Yeah. It's a weird thing for me to be like, is it bad acting or is it just like the, the way it makes me feel is just off. It's true. Yeah. You know, and it feels like it's, it's like his acting versus Harvey Keitel's like, Acting in that scene, it just feels juxtaposed. Say the goddamn word. Say the goddamn word. Gonna, okay. okay. gonna be okay. I, I love his though. His cadence is unreal. It's Carver so good. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you had a medical degree. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you a doctor? 
Are you a doctor? Answer me. Are you a fucking doctor? You're just going up. Say the goddamn words. Hey, maybe that's the juxtaposition yeah. for me. It's like he's just fucking killing it. Yeah, oh, yeah. I tell is, and you're like, okay, whatever. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't realize until this rewatch that, um, and I, I, ne- I had never before this rewatch watched this movie with subtitles ever in my life. Okay. I had never realized until I didn't even see it because it does show it. But when he's when they're walking into the warehouse, their their safe house, he says she had a baby man. And in okay. in that scene, you can see a car seat of him yeah, in the back seat. That's oh, right. No. I never realized that the person he eventually shoots had a baby, and I'm right. like, oh fuck. But was there a baby in the car? There wasn't. Okay. There was, I don't think she it he she was in the car at all. But still. I like that's I, tough. I was I just thought like at, of the hundred times I've seen this movie, I thought he was just mumbling something yeah. and I couldn't yeah. hear it. But he said she had a baby man. I'll say this really quick. It's the kicking for me in in Tim Roth's um, too much movement, a lot of movement because I've never been shot in the gut, but I have had my appendix out. Okay, <laughs> it's hard to move, and uh, it's really hard to move your legs around like that when you've got like these like you've been cut into on your stomach and those abdomen abdomen muscles have been hit, like. It's really tough to do that. And that's what threw it off for me on this last rewatch. I was too like, much movement. Yeah, it's like, that's, that's a lot of movement, you know? So I don't know. Just, like, I was going to throw that come out Come on, Tim Roth. Act like you've been there Yeah, before. come on. <laughs> well, you, you didn't research? No. <laughs> I like how Pink walks in and he's he's just like, oh shit, Orange got tagged. Like, he's, he's just a tagged. criminal talk. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he doesn't really give a shit about Orange. He's like, oh, he got tagged. He's like, God he damn got it. tagged. Sean, there was a moment, too, that I had never noticed before. When they get to the safe house... Uh, White lays him down and puts the gun in his hand. Yeah. yeah. I had never, and that's such a subtle moment, but I was thinking, like, what if he didn't do that? If he didn't put the gun in his hand, he's not, then Orange is not shooting blonde, mm-hmm. which probably means, that means cops getting burned alive, which probably means that cops are then invading the warehouse immediately. I don't know. Maybe or like I don't know, right? It's, it's a it's a point of contention that I will have probably later on yeah. as we as we get more like into the story that like this should have been stopped long ago. Oh my long god. Time ago. <laughs> as cops were being killed actively, we're going to stop this. Yeah. That's well, my only like gripe with the story, I guess. They they make it a point and when Pink shows up and he says, you know, did you did you kill anybody? And he's like, a couple of cops. He's like, any real people? Yeah. yeah. You know, like, whoa. Like, they, it's, it kind of like de, de, demeans or like, like really puts down like the like police or whatever. And, but they also kind of portray them that way too, like in the chase with Pink that comes yeah. when he's describing when Pink gets away. Um, like the way that they're chasing and they're, they're very, very uh, rough. Like, it's not like, cops in sync and like you know you think like cops they're very strategic they do you know these cops are not like that they're chasing them him down the street you know what i mean they're yelling at people get the fuck out of the way it's get like the they fuck weren't out. really told what's going yeah. on they were just like go to yeah, this position and, and try and stop whoever has a gun yeah exactly so and so they make these cops seem also very rough around the edges mm-hmm. too in this movie which is very strange. Yeah. So, so now that we've educated our podcast audience on the Wilhelm scream, <laughs> did you hear it? Did oh, you yeah. hear it when it happened? Exactly. I oh, would have yeah. never, had I not, on the Spaceballs episode, had I not researched that, I would have heard it, but I wouldn't have known what it was. When Pink's running on the street, he pushes a guy out of the way, he goes, ah! 
<laughs> it was, uh, it's unbelievable. It's so I will never not hear that. And in I, movies now. as we say in Happy Gilmore, we want that replaced some in some ways with that kid getting hit by the baseball. <laughs> <laughs> it, both, both of them. Yeah. <laughs> the Mister Mister Lady and the kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that scene. That the Mr. Pink escape scene is like we've been talking for a while now. Like Mr. Pink and Mr. White have been like, first of all, why do you you know you're not cool like lighting a Zippo like that? I know no, it's the only way. Zippo What's tricks, going on? Man. Man? It's the only way. And you it's, can it light doesn't a Zippo. work for him the second time. He's like, God damn! And then he just goes, Yeah, he's <laughs> and yeah. <it> starts. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah, you look cool. We are in a situation here. I don't need this. Speaking of which, the first time he doesn't even light his own cigarette. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, he lights he, Mr. Pinkston. He's like, oh, I think I have a thought. Maybe he just like holds off on his on purpose. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, yeah. And then what's with the Zippo tricks? All right, I we're gonna know. take this back to Hocus Pocus. <laughs> <laughs> Are we really gonna go back episode all the way? Number one. Episode number one, just fucking Zippo tricks. But he, but for the record, he was way better in Hocus Pocus. Yeah, he, he was, was like, quick, 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 yeah, let's yeah. like this mother. <laughs> yeah, he was he was good. Man, it was like a switchblade on that yeah. kid. Uh, yeah. Now I I don't yeah, I don't I didn't understand that. Uh, <laughs> keep going. I didn't. Just I really going. just keep going. Didn't understand that uh, as far as like why he was doing the zip yeah. tricks. I didn't get it. I don't even know how that's done. Like you're just you just snap it. Oh, you've never done that? No. Shit. Give me your zippo right Come now. On, I'll, do, I'll show it to you. I, you don't have a zippo. I got a jewel, it. man. Oh yeah, nobody does that anymore. <laughs> no, it's illegal now. Um, so this Mr. Pink chase scene. <laughs> Blew me away when I first watched because, like I said, we've been talking this entire time with Mr. Pink and Mr. White, and then now we come back. How did you get out? Well, I shot my way out, and then we cut to Mr. Pink running down the street. Yeah. That shootout is maybe the most like jarring, um, realistic shootout that I've ever seen in my life because. Especially Tarantino's further movies, they are very stylized. Like if if he does a shootout, they're very like uh, cut to this. Like they're very you know directed. This is just kind of in one or two shots of it zooming into Mr. Pink as he's shooting these cops on the corner, and then a, a POV shot of the cops being shot at. It is very like creepy almost, and just there's like no sound. Yeah, there's no uh, there's, there's no, no like music. There's no like, soundtrack. Do, 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 do. It's just. Like pure gunfire, like in um, uh, uh, Heat by Heat, like Michael yeah. Mann. It's it's terrifying almost, but it's still like really cool. Yeah, <laughs> cinema wise. Anyway. Yeah, no, agreed. Well, let's move on. So, scene number two: flashback to Mister White meeting with Joe and agreeing to take this job. Flash forward to White and Pink arguing about what to do with Orange. Mister Blonde shows up and gets in an altercation with White. Then Blonde shows the two that he has a cop in his trunk. I want to. I want to make this known. So, I wrote these notes saying flashback and did all this, but then I had a second and I did a little more research before we got here today. And Tarantino is very against the use of like me calling these flashbacks. Flashback. He is told a, you personally. He did. Yeah. No, yeah. I call him. We're, we're good friends. Yeah. Q. There, What's up, there, bro? Was, there was an interview or something that I saw. QT. Uh, a flashback would be like the camera coming on me and then me like thinking of something yeah. and then it flashes back. Where these are these are not flashbacks. This is essentially Tarantino saying that now you need this information mm -hmm. and it just so happens to be a different point in time. 
So, like, I, I just want to point that out that I'm saying flashback and flash yeah. forward, but like, it's just that's a reference. Not, that's not what he wants you. That's not what these movies are about. It's easy to go, oh, it just jumps around. It's like, no, this is just when you need to know the information. He is trusting the audience. Yes. And that that is an auteur filmmaker at its finest. And to be honest, because it's just like, yeah, we need a bubble again a, above someone's head, like in a fucking comic, yeah. and then we'll go to no. another panel. It's just like, no. And it doesn't even say like four days earlier. Exactly. It's just like, it's just, this is the information. Information you need now. Yeah, this is how this is how we got here. They're yeah. talking in about the chat. robbery and pretense. Hopefully, you get it. You yeah. know, in this interview of um, Mr. White and uh, Joe. Joe, Joe, he mentions Alabama. Mm-hmm. He's like, are you, aren't you working with Bama anymore? He's like, nah, we, me, me and Bama slip, uh, split way way back when. Uh, that's in reference to, in the Tarantino-verse, his script before this, True Romance, where Patricia Arquette portrayed oh, Alabama. Oh, no way. And I, that's that's what the lore is, is that he was working with Alabama from True Romance in, mm. uh, into this movie. So There's a lot of references oh, kind of yeah. all throughout this movie. Yeah. Uh, like he, Somebody mentions uh, Marcellus. Uh, from Pulp Do Fiction. They, somebody says that? Somebody says, like, uh, mentions Marcellus when they're talking about who who can move ice. Um, and but and he's not talking about Marcellus is the one that can. He say, right. says, like, well, Mar- with Marcellus and yeah. all that stuff. I mean, Mr. Blonde, his name is, is Vic, Vic Vega. Vega uh, and in Pulp Fiction, John Travolta was Vince Vega, yeah. um, which I, apparently that was supposed to be a spinoff altogether. It was going to be a movie right after Pulp Fiction, and they, it, it was just he had, the, he had the script for Kill Bill ready to go right after that because he worked with Uma Thurman, yeah. and he was doing that and also adapting the Elmer, I think, not Elmer Bernstein, the Elmer Leonard novel for Jackie Brown at the time, and he was like, I'm going to do that. Once all those projects yeah. kind of kept going, it was like they kept getting older. It was not going to be believable for them to be. But you I, know? Yeah. I also heard that Vic Vega, Michael Madsen, was supposed to then be in Pulp Fiction as Vincent Vega. Like, oh. like, like he Vic Vega was going to be the person, but then Madsen couldn't do it. So then he's like, well, then we'll just make it Vincent Vega. Uh, It'll be a brother. And then that's when the they go, oh, when we can do a spinoff. They're of the pretty brothers. similar. Yeah. Oh, they are very similar. Vincent Vega just wears a bolo tie. Yeah, and no, that's big, it. no big deal. <laughs> Same thing. I don't know if he's as sadistic necessarily. But, very true. Very true. But he's the it's younger still, brother. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Makes younger sense. brother. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. What do you guys think of Lawrence Tierney in this movie? He is. Um, if we were on a train <laughs> to go punch a face, yeah. I'm on board. That's what I'm talking about. He's my most punchable face. Is he? Is he really? I, I just there's not. I, I like all the characters in this movie. Yeah. Like they're all good looking people that I don't really want to get in a fight with. But uh, he's he's the guy that I'm just like fucking whatever. Man, I, I think him. I'm with you, man. I didn't even really think about it. I, like watching something, I'm just like, yeah, it's cinema. I don't care about my show at all. Uh, <laughs> I will not be doing a most punchable face <laughs> or <Yeah>. a prop. <laughs> no, I think you're right. He, like, and <laughs> we'll get to it. But like when Tim Roth describes him, this motherfucker looks exactly like the thing. <laughs> he, does. he does. Michael Chiklis. <laughs> yeah. I am going to. I am going to take this to a place Uh-oh. for most punchable face. Oh. It is the cop telling the story inside the story. Ah, uh, okay, you're right. I and I said, buddy, <laughs> I'm gonna shoot you in the, the fucking, fucking face. face. Please tell me, please tell me, he's that a douchebag. That those cops <laughs> did not directly influence Broken Lizard for Super Troopers, dude. <laughs> dude, oh please my god, me. yes. 
like, please, like that is that is fucking super troopers cops right there. And I said, buddy, this is this is fucking like like wish. Greg Kinnear with a mustache. <laughs> like, I'm telling you. And, like, the problem, the, the part that makes it so for me is when he walks in and uh, Tim Roth is doing a, a phenomenal monologue telling the story while in the story. I love this idea that he's standing in this setting, but he's telling the story as if he's telling it to the other guys. And it's such a cool thing that's happening. And then it kind of snaps back and he, like, goes to bed. And then you hear that that cop is just like... So, but but anyway, anyways, <laughs> I, I okay. told the guy, I told him, put his hands on the dash. Put your hands on the fucking dash. Put your hands on the fucking dash. <laughs> buddy. You can tell he's making it up I as he goes know. Yes. I, I said, know. buddy. Yeah. Put your hands on, you know. And that's that's what I thought was the beauty of it is somebody is telling an anecdote inside the anecdote that he's supposed to be telling. Yes. And I thought that was very creative. It's very clever. And this guy is also making it up inside the story. But not yeah. doing a good job. Yeah. Not doing a doing terrible the job. Good job like like yeah. Orange is do is has learned to do. Correct. Unbelievable. Yeah, I thought it was I thought that was brilliant. I'm with you. It's that guy. Okay, fine. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's okay, fine. that's fine. That's fine. Well, that's fair. Fuck it. Whatever, man. I'm not punching a cop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not punching a cop. We got cop listeners. I, I ain't punching it. you, okay? Hey, I think even those guys would agree. <laughs> they would be like, <laughs> I know him. I don't like him. No, wait, so so Blonde shows up. Yeah. One of the greatest things I've ever seen is when Blonde and White start, like, it's escalating. Mm. And Blonde, Blonde delivers that classic line, are you mm. going to bark all day, doggy, or are you going to bite? Gonna and bite. you see Pink go, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, he, Pink goes, God damn it, why did he just say that? Because now we got an alteration. I, again, that is the subtle... Body language of Steve Buscemi in this in this whole thing, where it's just like unbelievable how but he you're does that. You're a big Lee Marvin fan, aren't you? <laughs> is, is is Tarantino? I feel like Tarantino is just this big fan of tropey dialogue and putting it into his movies and making it work. Like like that that line right there. Are you gonna bark all day, little dog? Are you gonna bite? Yeah, you can't put that in any other movie. It's like, and then and then Harvey Keitel even responds. What'd you say? I I'm said, sorry, I didn't catch that. You know, that kind of a thing. That's tropey dialogue. He says it again. Day, little yeah. doggy throws so, his drink. Or are you going to bite? You know, that kind of stuff. is It's tropey dialogue to me. But, like, for some reason, I take it very seriously in a Tarantino movie. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? You can't put that in any other movie yeah. and be like, oh, wow, this is just dialogue. Oh, and wow. no one can deliver it that way in that manner like Michael Madsen's going to and take it, and take it seriously. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Is my, go ahead, man. No, uh, more Michael Madsen. Yeah, oh yeah. My, is Michael Madsen one of the most intimidating characters, actors? Like, like he blow. He is so f- cool, but not cool at the same time in this movie. Like, I don't understand how I feel about this guy and this character. Yeah, he, he's so fucking awesome. He is like a James Dean. He reminds me of the the character from The Sadist. Is a movie back in like the fifties. People might know what I'm talking about. Uh, I forget the actor's name, but he he's like a He's like a yeah James Dean sort of like um, uh, or like a crooner like um, yeah, uh, Mr. Sinatra Blue or, Eyes yeah, g- yeah. good looking man but like he's a prime. psychopath yes. and it's such a cool juxtaposition he's like God he, damn he's so fucking good looking but he's a psycho you yes. know and it's so fun to watch a character like that just be like he's drinking a coke while all this is go- like everyone's fucking freaking out except this guy what's he going is. on he's like he's like dean martin in a ga- in like yeah. a hard gangster or something like that in this vibe of this kind of quiet vibe and 
And I don't know. I love his. I love it when he comes back from the uh, prison. Or like he goes and meets with Joe. We haven't gotten there yet. Uh, oh, we haven't you, gotten you there can yet. Talk about so it if you want to. I was just saying, like, I do love that part. How we, how we get introduced to him again. I'm gonna say, let's go ahead. And what a fucking shot of of pink and white arguing about they should leave. Which, by the way, they 100 should leave. Like they what, should. What is keeping you here? Who yeah. cares? And that camera pans back, and it pans back, and it pans back, and then there's just, blonde. Just the walks reveal. Back. Uh, walks unbelievable. Back. What a shot! Because like that's creepy. He's been standing there the whole time. Yeah. How long? Yeah, shouldn't play so rough. Kinda, Someone's gonna get hurt. Yeah. Oh. Again, tropey dialogue. <laughs> yes. You know. And it's amazing. Pink is such a fucking weasel too, because his his story just changes. He's he had just been saying how Bond's a psychopath, and he goes, "I'm pretty sure you're on the level." Yeah, you know, yeah. like we were wondering what happened to you. He just yeah. pinks the weasel that just makes his way through the whole movie and ends up potentially getting away. He's he's know? he's a diplomat. Yes, he's yeah. very diplomatic. He's a professional. Yep. He doesn't he want is. to ruffle feathers. He wants to figure out the situation. Yeah, and he he says that he's like, "I didn't I didn't make this. I didn't create this situation, but I'm dealing with yes. it." Yes, and that's what he's trying to do the entire time. Yes, you know. So he reveals that he has uh, got Kirk, to show you. Kirk Baltz uh, as the cop in this scene. And I just oh, got to yeah. imagine, like, he just was riding around with this guy. He's such a psychopath that he went and got fast food. Yeah. While with this guy in his trunk, he just doesn't give that much of a fuck at all. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I should probably go to the safe house with his Coke in, in hand. No, I already had those, the fries. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was actually true that he, like, him, him and... <laughs> Michael Madsen and Kirk Baltz, the actor, went around with Kirk Baltz in the trunk and went through yeah. fast food drive throughs just to see how it was and everything. I just got to imagine just like if you pop out, I'm like, oh, thanks. Thanks for my order. Thank that, that's a jackass skit from yeah, back exactly. in the Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. It is. <laughs> it is. 100% it is. And, and yeah, he, like uh, he wanted the Kirk Baltz, he, he, he really wanted the, he's like, I want the character development. Yeah. I need to understand. I want to feel what, what this what is did like. I just go through. You know, uh, yeah. And then Michael Madsen's just like eh, I'm gonna take advantage of this then too. <laughs> and he just goes through a drive-through and he does all this, drives around through like bumpy roads and stuff with mm-hmm. him. It's, it's very laughing funny. like a psychopath. Yeah. Well, so let's move this along. So flashback to Mr. Blonde meeting with Joe and Eddie after he gets out of prison. Flash forward to the present where the men are beating up the policeman. Eddie arrives and tells Blonde to stay with the cop in Orange while the rest go move cars. Blonde begins to torture the cop until Orange shoots him. Orange reveals that he is an undercover cop. <clears throat> Look, maybe um, Mr. Mr. Blonde mentions uh, his parole officer, Scagnetti. Seymour Scagnetti. Seymour Scagnetti. Uh, Scagnetti was also a character in Natural Born Killers, played by Tom Sizemore, uh, which Tarantino also wrote. Viper. Uh, just just adding to the further... Uh, uh, that was Tom Scary. Oh, sorry. The, the MCU <laughs> of Tarantino. Sorry, go C- ahead. Cut that out, please. The MCU. <laughs> the MCU. It kind of is, though, right? Like, Oh, yeah. I love that. I the, love when people can just be like, no, this is all the same. It's essentially what we do in this podcast, being like, no, yeah. no, because that guy then went to do this. Like, that's the same thing. No, but uh, Grandma's Boy's <laughs> thing but was, uh, said, he was an accountant was back then. Like, hey, g- good news is we're not shadow banned anymore. Bad news, the fucking trolls are out again. <laughs> <laughs> They've unleashed the trolls. Yes, they have. <laughs> well, actually. No, it's like... Re- uh, red apple cigarettes in a, in every Tarantino movie. Pretty yeah, much same th- throughout here here on out. So gotcha. Yeah, okay. I was the same. The only time I I I was on Joe's side uh, was when White, uh, sorry, Blonde goes in and Blonde and Eddie are fighting, 
and like they fight and then they're like, okay, cool. We're done fighting. And then they start fighting again. I was like, fucking get on with it. Yeah. Like Joe, Joe's like, <laughs> I, like, stop it. What are you doing? This is my was, fucking office. Look at my tusks behind me. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, I was the same goddamn way. I was like, quit fucking fighting. Like, this is so boring. Get on to it. Yeah. The second time they started fighting, just come on, man. It's too much. But yeah. at the same time, that is, it's kind of like, it kind of just needed to show that relationship. I don't know. Uh, clearly tight. Yeah. And they, it's very important later on. It's very important. And they're they're truly trying to do right by him. I think it's the idea. They really needed to make it an understanding of, to, especially for, the, for later on, how tight they are, how much they really want to do right by Blonde. Yeah. You know, the, at this point. These three are, like, very interconnected. They, oh, yeah. they really want to make sure that he is taken care of. They're giving him a job, but he doesn't have to even do that job. They want to make sure he is set and ready to go. Get the Scagnetti guy off your back um, and really make good on him. But these two are the guys who everybody should be afraid of, but they're really doing like trying to do everything they can for, for blonde yeah. Yeah. at this point. So I thought that was, there's a really important point to make, I guess. Yeah. yeah. What do you guys think of Chris Penn in this movie? I, I think I like really, really like him I, as nice guy, Eddie. I love it. He's, he's unreal. Yeah. If, even from this scene, moving forward to his best stuff at the end, God, he's, he's fucking, how did, did, did he not, get along with Quentin? Why was he not in more Quentin Tarantino films? I never heard he anything... he fucking killed it I never heard movie. anything like that, that he didn't get along or anything like that, but I know, like, in the special features, uh, there was, like, a retrospective interview with, like, all of the characters, like Mr. Blonde and, and Nice Guy Eddie. Nice Guy Eddie's was out of the back of a van, or Chris oh. Penn's was out of the back of a van, uh. like, riding through... L- I think it kind of fell on hard times, maybe. He pa- he's not- since passed away, right? He's, he he's, has, he's yeah. dead now, which is... Such a shame, yeah, but yeah. like he, he, I, I think this is probably his best performance in this movie. To be honest, I think it's phenomenal, man. And I love you know the idea is to like play this as he's not one of these guys. He's yeah. very different, even especially like near the end, his bright blue, yeah, you know, jack windbreaker jacket and the gold chain. He's very flashy, and he's you know he says daddy a lot. Yeah, you know? he's a daddy's boy. He's a daddy's boy, and I. I don't know. I don't know who's dead. I don't know who's alive. I don't know who's not. I don't know who's not. Like he's like that kind of a thing. I just think it's a phenomenal performance. Yeah. And the way he talks to to Mr. Blonde in that scene in the office. And yeah. Going through this whole whole ordeal, and and then later on we'll get to his eyes. So yeah, we'll get to his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're back. We're back to quite possibly the most iconic scene of this movie is the stuck in the middle scene the the here's how here's how absolutely genius there's so many things we can talk about about this this torture scene right you know me you know me when i get a thought in my head i gotta go all the way through so stuck in the middle with you's playing and he and he walks out to his car Mm -hmm. and like that is so beautifully sound design of how it fades away and then there's sound out here and then he fades back in i took the time took me about five minutes to line up my phone Stuck in the middle with you. Yes. To the movie. Yes. So that my phone kept playing as he walked outside. As he comes back in, perfectly on Perfect time. time. Perfectly on time. Anyone else would have been like, no, let's cut that so that this part plays when he comes back in. Yeah. They perfectly fucking yeah. timed it. The cowbell, yeah. Unbelievable. I mean, they most of the budget went to this song, like yeah. specifically just this song. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know how, like, maybe half. 
maybe 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 a quarter of it went went to just this song is what I was reading. Do you know it was originally supposed to be uh, Master Puppets? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you didn't know that? No, it wasn't. It was going to be running up that hill. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, Shut up. It was going to be running on empty by Jackson Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go, go. No, it was actually the, another original thought for this was Ballroom Blitz. That's right. Yeah, you're right. I, Ballroom Blitz. It, it would have worked. Ballroom I think so too, man. And, and, and we might be talking about it the same way, but I also like that it was stuck in the middle. I like stuck in the middle with you. Dance and then moves. We'll, we'll keep Ballroom Blitz to Wayne's World. There yeah, you go. Yeah, there it's, you go. it's the, again, we said it, I believe, in our last week's episode, that juxtaposition of this kind of almost fun, kind of, you know, poppy song, as, as he refers to it, Dylan-inspired bubblegum pop song, yes. Steelers That's Wheel. not Bob Dylan? It's not Bob Dylan. Joey and Jerry Rafferty. Joey, Joey, Raff, Joey Rafferty. And he's just, but... It, as he's referencing that, and then he just pulls out that blade from his boot, and he's just dancing around, and the look on uh, the cop's face—that's a—that's a horrifying situation. It's extremely horrifying, and I, right? What, I what, mean, like, yeah. One thing, one thing to say before all this: lock the fucking door. Lock the fucking door. Like uh, a nice guy, he just pops right in. Like as you got, as you got a, a cop strapped to a chair, and this happens multiple times. We'll get to it, but yeah, like uh, Kirk Baltz in that chair. <laughs> like when I'm watching this, like as a kid and everything, I'm like, yeah, go, Mister Blonde. Yeah, yeah, go. I'm like, now I'm like, fuck. No, yeah, it, like he's. Uh, He's explaining to him how he's going to torture him and how he's going to like it. And how no matter what he says, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter to him. And yeah. so this ear-cutting scene, they they shot it. They shot it like up close and like, like the ear getting cut off. K&B effects, uh, Kurtzman, Nicotero, and Berger uh, did effects for Walking Dead. A lot right. of like George A. Romero movies of uh, 80s beyond. And um, just like most most of the movies that you love that are... are very heavy when special makeup effects, but um, they shot this, and Harvey didn't want it in the scene or in the in the movie whatsoever. He didn't, they didn't want it even implied at all. That piece of shit. So fucking disgusting. But uh, they, um, Tarantino kind of took a little bit of note with that and was like, maybe we don't need the actual close up of it, and just to do like a like a kind of a cut turn away from the scene itself. Very Hitchcockian, and mm-hmm. he's a great proponent of Hitchcock. Uh, turning away from the violence and then back to the aftermath of the violence is just so fucking brilliant. And then it's where it says, uh, "Don't or watch your head." Yes, up, up uh, above that door, and yeah. it's just that's all you're reading. <laughs> watch your head. So, so what happened to Mister Blonde? Right, because they clearly trust him. He's been a rock for them for years. They've known him for so long. He goes to the joint, and now he's a fucking psychopath. I think he's always been. I think he's always really? been that person. Yeah. And yeah. it just now it's finally come out? Yeah. I, well, I think, I think they bank on him being this way. But, but, but I, that's not the vibe I get. The vibe I get is that Joe's jobs are always like precision. Sh- precision. Pre- Nothing goes wrong. And Blonde is the reason this whole thing went wrong. It's You're true. Right. You're right. So something changed. Maybe he was always that psychopath underneath, but like, you know, now he is now he's full bore. He doesn't give a fuck at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. And that's the thing. And you know, uh that black Mr. girl had to have been like maybe 15, tw- 14, 20 years old. Yeah. Jesus. And he says, he says, uh, Mr. White says, This is what he was doing. Bam. 
bam, bam. Yeah. Like an absolute bam, 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 bam. bam. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like, and, he's, and his excuse is, I don't like alarms, Mr. White. How do you wake up in the morning, Mr. Blonde? Yeah. <laughs> you just shoot your fucking alarm clock just like dead in the night? <laughs> yeah. Like, how, what, what, what do you do when you your pizza's alarms ready? in prison, bro. <laughs> what do you do when your that? pizza alarm goes off? Yeah. Like 20 minutes for a pizza and you, fu- and you beeps? What do you do? You yeah, shoot do, your fucking you pizza? You don't have lunch for the night? Bam. <laughs> It's 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 insane, man. It's and scary. And it still it still jars me to this day. Like that that shot from Orange comes out of like it still comes out of left field for me when like Blonde it's, gets blown away. It is it is his uh, Tarantino's like first inkling of tension building that he can do, especially in like Inglorious <laughs> Bastards moving on and in like Pulp Fiction with uh, Vincent Vega coming out of the bathroom yep. when Bruce Willis is right there. Oh like that tension, God. that tension building is so incredible because you're like, I do not want to see this guy burnt alive. No, no. Um, and then Mr. Orange has been passed out this entire No shot of him has been occurred at this time. Right. And then right as he, how about a little fire for it? Boom, 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 boom. Yeah. It's just like holy shit. Y'all through? Yeah. Y'all that's through? just terrifying. That's like you can't he can't be reasoned it. with. He can't be reasoned with. There's no nothing that you're going to say, like you said, that is gonna stop me from doing this. Yeah. And that's that is terrifying. And Kirk Kirk Baltz, I think, does an amazing job of this. Like that'd be a hard thing to play. Yeah. And and like even like I even I to me it's kind of iconic the way like now Orange and him are talking. He goes, Marvin, Marvin, Marvin Nash, Marvin, <laughs> like, Marvin what? Marvin Nash, <laughs> and it's like it's not bad to me. It's just like very iconically yeah. like what would it feel like to have your ear cut off and be doused in gasoline yeah. and have your face all bruised up? Yeah, that exactly. might be how you talk. I don't know. It's it's nuts to me, man. I think he does a great job. So he reveals to Marvin Nash that he's a cop, and I uh, know, the, yeah. yeah. T- or Freddie Newendike. Freddie Newendike. Freddie um, something. He says there's a, there's like a, a a few or like a brigade of cops waiting a couple blocks down, and Kirk Ball's like, "What the fuck are they waiting for?" And I'm honestly like, "Yeah, what yeah. are they like? There's shots this fired. This whole thing went wrong. There are shots fired, and and like my big gripe with the film is like how big of a mob." "Quote unquote boss is Tyranny. Joe. Yeah, is, is Joe. He might be gigantic, dude. Like I guess so, but like they're waiting. What what their thing is? They're waiting for him to come in the door for everything to come into plan yes. for the cops. But your undercover agent is shot in the bleeding gut. out. There are <laughs> another cop. Inside. Four or five, right? Four or five other cops that have been shot uh, on the chase and everything like yeah. that. How big is this guy? How big of a get is this guy to sacrifice all of their lives? I'm yeah. like, I don't know. Well, you got to think like he's talking about, we'll get you. We've got so many locations. He's talking about making uh, blonde a dock worker. Um, so it's almost like he's like some sort of union, you know, teamster, gangster Kind sure. of a guy. So he should. He might be pretty big. He could be pretty big. He's and he's a head honcho. You know, he's. We got places all over, and part of your job is to travel. So he, they could. There, they must be a yeah. big infrastructure. This might have been a decades worth of like, yeah. of like shit going down. Sure. Be like, we, we don't give a fuck about these other cops. We have. Yeah. If we don't get him now, we're, we're ten years is wasted. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. With the undercover thing, I really wish that I could rewatch this for the first time. Um, yeah. And not not know yeah. about that. I really wish I could because I feel like when I did watch this for the first time, 
I knew about it already. Yeah. Somehow. Or like, probably because you watched the end of the movie first. Y- yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, yeah, I, I popped in the second VHS <laughs> of the, because the first one already had like stuff recorded on it. We, we, took it from TV. No, you, what you uh, did is you read an IMDb uh, user uh, review. Yeah. <laughs> Do not read, watch this Do movie. not. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, no, but I do. I really wish I could because this is a whodunit. It's like a whodunit for these yeah. for these uh, uh, criminals, yeah. and they want to know who who's the rat. They want to know who's the inside guy. What's going on? And you get very convinced of this when when uh, Nice Guy Eddie shows up and everything. There is no fucking setup. There yeah. is no there setup. No Nobody knows anything. Yeah. So uh, I just I really wish I could rewatch this and not know that and mm-hmm. and have a little shock to it. You know. Yeah. Well, flashback to Mister Orange's involvement with the police force and how a commode story helped him get in with Joe and the rest of the robbers. We also see Joe's involvement with organizing the heist and Orange and White's friendship develops. Flash forward to the near present, we see how Orange is shot after the robbery. Big fan of Holdaway. Like his his yes. very small part in this movie, his like partner or just like kind of police office. Not really sure what undercover he is. directive guy. Yeah. Or I, I don't know, but I'm a big fan of him. For he's some so reason. cool, and like he's like as he's telling Mister Bl- Mister Orange, uh, Freddie Newendike, this story of like oh you gotta do the commode story or like did you do the commode story? He's telling him and the audience like basically how to act. He's like you gotta you gotta take these words and make them your own. You know, you got to take this story and everything and make it your own. Um, From your perspective. Exactly. How you experienced it. Maybe bring in my hop take. Boys, 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 boys. It's time for your Pepper Joe's hot take. So in reference to Tarantino being like kind of a ripoff artist, um, there's a movie called City on Fire uh, directed by uh, Ronnie Lamb or uh, Ringo Lamb um, in 1987, which is ri- widely known to uh, uh, Tarantino like ripping off directly. There's ser- several scenes in this movie where uh, there are like an undercover cop shot in the belly and everything like that. I think my hot take is that Tarantino needed to rip off that movie to become what he is. And in reference to that, I think that homage is a, is a clever word to use and, and, and uh, an apt word to use for him is because what he does is not rip off. He homages and like in, say, Pulp Fiction, uh, when Mia Wallace is talking to John Travolta's character in, in their house, and it's that close-up of her mouth on the mic. It's the same as in The Warriors, where that the radio DJ does that. It's Django Unchained titles, Gone with the Wind style, is going across the screen, and Gone with the Wind does the same thing. And one of uh, Tarantino's acolytes, one of his favorite uh, filmmakers of all time, De Palma, The Untouchables of Battleship P- Potemkin, the stairs scene where the the baby carriage is coming down the stairs. Mm. De Palma rips that off from Battleship Potemkin, which is a movie from like the 1940s almost. Sam Peckinpah, uh, Tarantino rips him off a lot with just slow-mo violence in general. Um, I think 
the the case to be made that he's a ripoff artist is not apt at all. I think he is just an homage person and he he is aware of it. He is letting the audience know that he is a fan of these movies and where his movies are coming from are those movies. You should go check them out too because this is where my influence on cinema becomes me. Mm. And what I think is beautiful about Tarantino is that you take your influences when you start off you take your influences and you start there then you become yourself mm. and he's become one of the most prolific directors of all time in doing that so so my hot take is that i think he needed to rip off city of fire to become what he is that's Fair fucking enough. great man i know I, I, I think that's amazing i i creative arts get such a, a like a punch if it's like oh you you put the you your melody line in that song is the same as this other song, or you did the same scene as that. It's like why why is that such a negative thing versus like Facebook and Instagram are basically TikTok now. Everybody yeah. has vertical reels, movies, videos, and it's like we yeah. don't we don't call them out for literally stealing a creative idea of another company. Yeah. But yeah, we're like that one guy did the same scene almost as the other guy. It's like that is that is an homage. That yeah. is a that is and who cares if you ripped it off? It's like yeah. there's only so many chords in the universe to like do exactly. you know. And like, there is a difference between ripoff yeah. and homage. Like totally, like that you can some people have totally ripped something off. But oh, yeah. like if you are like referencing a scene from like Battleship of Timken, like De Palma is in in the uh stairs scene in Untouchables. It is no one's no one's seen that scene for years, no. and, and maybe when when they're seeing the Untouchables, they don't even know that movie exists. Yes, and so when he's referencing that, and you're like, maybe in film school or something like that, and you see Battleship Potemkin, and you're like, you go, holy shit! Oh, well, I've seen that before. It's like that's what he's doing, man. That's awesome. It's, he's introducing cinema to you, just kind of like our last week's episode of like introducing soundtrack songs to an, a new audience. It's it's yeah. that's what he's doing. That's it's, fucking great. It's man. like new genres of things coming out of. Thank God this happened, so we now have this. He's in. You know it. what I mean? Thank yeah. God we had jazz, so now we've got like metal. You know what I mean? And but it's the same idea of Django. Thank God we had westerns, so he could create this and yeah. make a great movie. Even you know I mean? even so. uh, his his other western, The Hateful Eight, is basically the thing. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's it, there's music from the thing in Hateful Eight, and it's it, you know what he's Kurt Russell's in, know, the, in the Hateful Eight. <laughs> I know that we'll talk about well, like I think we're gonna get into it on Patreon, right? About like more of yeah, Tarantino we'll talk world. more Tarantino okay, cool. stuff that, on cool, this cool. Patreon for sure. Like so, so sorry, sorry, uh, the Mr. Orange's scene, right? Yeah, the, yeah. the the whole commode thing, man. Yeah. I I I think this is my favorite part of the movie, almost. And this I, is where yeah. I'm glad I, to hear that. I don't like Tim Roth in the beginning. I love him. This whole, the way it's shot, the way he's again. What I talk about this all the time. The acting like you're acting yes. is so weird to me, and it's so because I can't do it. I have no, I have no acting skills whatsoever. Like I couldn't do that. There's a and watching him do that movement from like he's learning and he's reading the script to now he's in that weird backyard area like delivering the speech and now he's delivering it to them yeah. to the as guys. you're hearing the full story it's so brilliant so brilliant there's even a part where he catches himself when he's in his apartment he's like hey 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 frankie are you going up nope nope hey guy hey buddy hey, hey dude are you going up to yeah. get the like yeah. weed or whatever so he catches himself because he's not supposed to say his name mm -hmm. to these guys so he has it's it's amazing it's a clinic I, like it is and i think that this movie honestly 
is almost like a it's like it's teaching people it's like it's teaching students about cinema almost the it, entire it time like throughout the entire thing it's it's there there are blatant blatant tells of context and uh like what they're doing through pink the references as you say not flashbacks you know but then also moments like this where he's you have a character describing to another character about how you need to be acting (laughs) how you should be taking on this role and it is it's like it's teaching people about cinema in the movie it's crazy and see and and you even referenced that earlier which i didn't think about it this way but i have a note already is is orange is doing this story he's making up the story and he's doing it correctly but those cops are not yes but i also feel that then after that they're in the car together and eddie's telling a story yes and i also i don't feel like eddie's story is true and i feel like orange is calls him out he even goes what do you mean well like what, what, what do you mean? No, like Pram that? Greer wasn't in that movie. She was in this movie. Yeah, he Orange like knows now when other people are not telling the truth because he's like now schooled in what is true and what is not when right. people are telling stories. Yeah, exactly. And and that was even kind of a weird si- scene too because like I never noticed it until this time around because of my love for Holdaway. Now is they're they're being very racist in the car. Yeah, and he seems kind of like mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And is You're that right. because of his friendship with Holdaway? You know, you know what? I never thought about that, but I was also I have a note where it's like, yeah, he's got this one story that he rehearsed the entire time, yeah. and like and like and like was very charismatic about. But like now he's not very charismatic in the car. Not even. at all. But it might be because of that story. He feels weirded out by this conversation. I, I didn't think about this, that. This black Beverly Hills. Dara Heights. Yeah. By the way, are you guys Frank Ocean fans? Oh yeah, Channel oh, yeah. Orange. Uh, never realized it till I I heard. Fr- I love Frank o- Ocean. Channel Orange. There's a song called Sweet Life, and he says, uh, uh, "Black Beverly Hills, living in Ladera Heights." Oh. And I was like, "Oh shit!" That, oh. And I know that's not a reference to this movie. I think that was a slang for Ladera Heights was Black Beverly Hills. I oh, think gotcha. that was a true thing. But I was like, "Oh, that's why he said that." That's fucking fun. crazy. Oh, Frank Ocean. I, I do like that story that Eddie tells, though. It's it's really funny <laughs> and like and like it it does like this is what Tarantino does in like making these goons to be yeah. humanized. You know, like th- I like especially. Um, I think it's like a, a, a reference gone wrong between Mr. Pink and Mr. Orange. Like, oh no, it wasn't this guy. It was it was it was that girl or yeah. something like that. And like Eddie begins to tell his story again, and they laugh to each other in the back. Yeah, it's like they're. I want to. I want to see them like kind of interact. Yeah, more a little bit. But like, it seems so genuine. They're just like kind of buddies in the back. Laughing they've, at they, they've developed this relationship kind of already. It's yeah. it's, it's very insane. charming, and the, even the subtlety of like, no, that that wasn't Pam Greer. Well, then who the fuck was it? He's like, how the hell should I know? Yeah. It's like, well, now my now my day's fucking. Ruined. Yes, yeah. he's like, I'm gonna think about that all day. <laughs> <laughs> That's Tarantino, right? They didn't have Google back then, bro. <laughs> no one else can put dialogue like this in a fucking movie. Yeah. If I wrote a movie that had dialogue like this, it would be fucking terrible. <laughs> but I just it would just be aping Tarantino. It just Tarantino's such a this scene does not have to be in the fucking movie, but yeah. it fits perfectly. And it, I do not feel like, come on, get to the next scene. Yeah, like I, I'm just like, great. Yeah, cool. I know great. it's so it strange. And on top of Joe Tex, I got you. Uh huh. Huh. Yeah. Better than seeing now, did you? I mean, it's Chaka. Ooga Chaka. Ooga Chaka. Yeah. Like yeah, the music again is just shining through at this point, and that that Uga Shaka like from uh, 
in in just driving up. What? Yeah. Why? So strange. Yeah, yeah. The car it's, starts leaving, and he goes, "Ooh, gosh, I can't stop this feeling." Oh, you mean the song from Guardians of the Galaxy? Yeah, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, that's that. when I first heard it. He loves that. Oh, Tarantino ripped that off. So, oh, it was so yeah. funny when he kicked that little alien. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. 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 Anyways, so when <laughs> Orange and Joe though are, are like becoming buds. Yep. The casual conversation of how you how you crowd control is also was very jarring to me when I when I first realized like what was going on, like the 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 idea that uh, you know customers and stuff take the butt of your gun, b- bash their nose. It's like it's like whatever you know, just bash their nose, and then everybody else will shut up. They'll you drop mean, to the floor screaming, blood sc- blood squirting out of their face. And you get a bank manager thinks he's some Charles Bronson, <laughs> cut off his little his finger, the little one. Tell him his thumb's next. After that, it'll tell you if he wears women ladies' underwear. It's just like I'm hungry. Let's geez. go get a taco. Yeah, and the line, the line, I'm hungry. Let's go get a taco. Like taco. the way he says taco, I, it's just one of those little it makes things. you hungry for a taco. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> all right, I'll go get a taco with you. <laughs> Ooh, we skip this. Here's oh, a problem. I'm gonna take this from you. Uh, I want blonde's cup, his drink when he comes into the oh, warehouse. Wow. That we talk about this a lot of the like when a food or a drink looks good, I want to drink whatever he's drinking out of that cup, and I said I want that cup, but also I did hear that that is also a, a reference to a Big Kahuna Burger, right? Oh, I love that. That, that, that cup, that cup is cup. from Big Kahuna Burger. I love it's the same that. cup, same designs, and I want the contents of it too because I want to drink it. I'm thirsty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't usually go vehicles, but I think I'm going to this time. I was gonna do. Uh, uh, Joe's tusks behind him in, in, yeah, his, yeah. in his office. But that would make you an asshole. It would make me right. a total yes. dickhead. Yes. That'd make you a piece of shit. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, <laughs> Mr. Blonde's car. I, uh, I think it's a Cadillac. I read that that was actually Madsen's and car. It, wasn't and it? so it's actually Michael Madsen's car. So it's <laughs> it's no real budget. life. The, I can actually get it. The budget was so low on this movie. Yes, They're 1. Like, 5 was yes. so low on this movie. They they used their own vehicles, which that was his own car, Michael Madsen's car. They wore some of their own clothes oh, for their clothes. wardrobe. Like Steve Buscemi and uh, Tim Roth are wearing jeans. Yes. they're wearing black jeans, Did, not one, suit. And pants. one of them had like mismatching colors. I think. On yeah, this. yeah. <laughs> Harvey Keitel had a suit that someone bought him for like a film festival he went to. Yeah. And that was it. And he was like, I'll just awesome. use that. Just things like that, right? Um, if I had to guess, there's a lot of things. There's, um, I'll have, I have a suggestion but, for you if you don't. I mean, like, I'd like to hear what you think, but I do have a suggestion for I'll you. I'll hear your suggestion first, but I do have one in mind. Um, uh, I want uh, Nice Guys Eddie's track jacket. <laughs> the I track think, jacket, I think which really is good. actually, Chris I think Spence. you'd look really, of course look, it is. I think you'd look great in that. I think I'd look good in yeah, that. Yeah, I think you would. Uh, I was gonna say um, uh, Mr. White's comb. Oh, that nice. That he that's, uses that's cool. on Mr. Orange, and, and he himself. uses and himself, and yeah. So mm. need you cool. Are you cool? Are you cool? Uh, there's a band called the Fun Loving Criminals. Has anyone ever heard of them? Huh. Running around robbing banks, all whacked on the Scooby Snacks. Oh, Does anybody remember that? <laughs> <laughs> they, I, I had the album for some reason, but they sample that in a song. It goes. It goes. I need you cool. Are you cool? I'm cool. And then like the song starts or whatever. Never mind. Uh, last thing in this scene, the look on Mr. Orange's face when he shoots that lady, he's shot and he just killed a woman is fucking heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. There's very similar like uh, mannerisms from, from uh, characters like Michael Madsen wipes his hand several times on like the cop when he's doing yeah. the torture scene. Tim Roth is the gun hesitation. 
Yeah. Throughout he, he this. He does that like twice, doesn't he? Does he? It, he does it during that, and he also does it during uh, after, when, he, after shot. he shoots Mr. Blonde. Yeah. And it's that hesitation that... Like, like he's got to be sure or something, you know, and or that hesitation of like, what did I just do, or you know, that kind of a thing. And I think that's what it is. Is like, what did I just do? And like, in that scene too, where he shoots that lady, it's it's. I want to like say like, uh, like humanize the goons, like human. Let's humanize the the good people. Yeah, is like she had a gun, and like there's two people with guns pointing at her. You know, <laughs> what do you, what would you do? Exactly. She, she just sh- if if I had a gun in my hand that I didn't intend to use, and then someone shot me, I would pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like it sucks, man. Yeah. That's a, a heartbreaking scene because it, now we're so sad. he was already all in. Now that he's been sh- now like he was already a kind of all in. Now he's very much all in. Like, this as is the he, end of as him. he shot uh, as he saw Mister White shoot two cops with two guns. He's yeah. like fuck. And then this happens. He's like this is so off the rails. And he's already a little jarred from Mister Brown dying. He watched Mister Brown die. Yeah. He's like, is he dead? Did he die? Come on, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, we gotta go. And he's yeah. like, he's like, he's. What do we do? Yeah. Like, he's dead. Well, what do we do? No, you just leave him. Okay, we leave him. It's a very jarring situation, I think, <laughs> yeah. uh, to to watch it all go down, and then it just lands us right back where we kind of started yeah. in, with him in the back seat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, final scene, flashing forward to the present. Eddie White and Pink return to the warehouse to find Blonde dead. Orange struggles to defend himself. Joe arrives and confidently accuses Orange of being an informant. White comes to Orange's defense. A Mexican standoff ensues, leaving everyone dead except Orange and White severely wounded. Pink, who hid to avoid the shootout, takes the cash of diamonds and flees the warehouse. Orange tells White he is a cop as police invade the warehouse. Did you know Nicolas Cage was supposed to be Nice Guy, nice guy Eddie? What? I read that Nicolas Cage auditioned for the role of Nice Guy Eddie. No oh, shit. And I would have loved it. <laughs> Dude. I love Chris Penn oh, as yeah. Nice Guy Eddie. This this whole final scene, him, stop pointing the gun at my fucking dad. The fucking gun yeah. at my dad. Unbelievable. However, yeah. if there was one person that maybe could have done it better, it's maybe Nick. We're maybe still, Nick we're still holding out for it, man. Like, is apparently Tarantino's got one more oh. movie left. Nicholas Cage. Put, put Nick Please. in there. Put oh, Nick in boy. there. I love Chris Penn. That guy waves that phone around like it is a gun. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, like, when he's like, so you're going to tell me, so, so he, you're telling me that he was going to shoot shoot us, he was going to kill you and the cop. What, this cop right here? That's shocking. Shocking. Shocks the hell out of you. And then just goes on. And he says, "So th- that's 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 your story. I've got that right. I that's right. correct. Why yeah. I've got that correct. Really? Am. He's like, so so this man just spent four years in warehouse full of hot items. Could have just said my dad's name. He could have walked. He did four years. He did took it like a man. And now when we're making good on our commitment, he's just going to, out of the blue, out of the fucking blue, <laughs> decide, <laughs> decide he's gonna rip us off." Why don't you tell me what really happened? In his eyes, man. That his eyes, yes. What really happened? <laughs> I buy it so hard. Oh man, like you, like I get chills at that part uh, more so than like any other part in this. I get chills as that slowly zooms in on him, and you see his eyes widen up out of the fucking blue. <laughs> like you're just whoa. <laughs> okay, help me out here, Sean. Again, I have questions for you. The Mexican standoff here. Does did did White shoot? Two people? Yes. Are we sure about that? I slowed it down uh, many, many times in my lifetime of watching this movie a hundred times in a row. Uh, I've slowed it down, and and he 
Joe shoots orange okay. first. Joe shoots orange. Uh, White shoots Joe. Joe. And uh, Nice Guy Eddie shoots White. White has time to, another... to turn around and shoot Nice Guy Eddie. What do you think about the theory that uh, Pink was hiding in the corner and shot? And See, there, I'm, I'm, I'm also into that too. I think he's too much of a pussy. I think he's too much like on, on his own and wants to see this kind of play okay. out. Okay. I think he's too smart for that okay. to, to like get involved. But that's interesting because you like it. Well, if you're Pink, who's he going to shoot? Exactly. Well, well, at this point, so wait, so uh, who was the one that who did White shoot the second shot? Eddie. It was Eddie. Eddie. So, but if you're Pink, Pink, you're going cool. Eddie's gonna survive. Like Eddie's gonna shoot. Like if this whole Mexican standoff happens, oh. Eddie's gonna survive. Oh. So what if Pink's like, well, I don't want to fuck with Eddie after yeah. this because my his dad just died. So what if Pink's got his gun on Eddie if he's looking at this roundabout table thing? I see. He's yeah. hiding in the corner. Well, this is a serious another... JFK assassination. It movie. is, man. Yeah, there's a grassy Nolan here somewhere. Yeah. But there, like. There's also there was also a theory that Orange shot, but Orange is out of bullets right. in his yeah. gun. Oh, yeah. But, but there, bullets. somebody did say that it looks like there's a smoke shot, uh, like a smoke trail okay. from Orange. He does have an ankle gun. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, we, we saw him do that when he he's getting in the car. Gun. They did say that he has. There's a smoke trail that comes from Orange. Um, which I believe I saw again. You've got to go back. You got to watch yeah, it like eight hundred times, and I still couldn't. It's so it out. quick. You know what? And it's also like uh, the movie that this was ripped off from. Uh, technically, homaged. Uh, homaged. Thank get you. It right. Okay. City of Fire by Ringo Ringo Lamb. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a Mexican standoff scene in that movie too, and it's not as good. Um, and I would argue that like this in in one shot in like one locked off wide shot of these. Four characters in this scene right now is as good as Tarantino's uh, later works as like Inglorious Bastards, the bar scene, mm. the bar shootout. Oh, it's yeah. just like what the fuck. Yeah, I mean that is a different level of filmmaking, but this is like the indie filmmaker yeah. of of just like this one shot. But it's also like more jarring and works way better with this story than it does with like. When yeah. saying glorious bastards, where it's like more of a heightened reality kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, with nice guy Eddie or whatever having that, and he's he's talking, and he's got that low tone, you know, and it's it's like go back a long ways, Larry. He's using his name. Yep, yep. He's not supposed. He's using his name. Too late now. Yep. He's like we go back a long way. We can solve this. We talk this out, and he just says, he says, Joe, you shoot that man, you die next. Yeah. I repeat, you shoot that man, you die next. Damn you, Joe. Don't make me do it. And then the, like when Chris Penn, I heard it so many times because I rewound it so many times to try to figure out yep, who shot yep. first. I did is, too. Damn it, stop pointing that gun at my dad. Stop pointing <laughs> that fucking gun at my yeah. dad. And then it just all goes off. And like I rewatched it so many times. And it's like ingrained in me yeah. now. Rio Bravo is the film I was thinking of. Rio it's, Bravo. It's, a, it's another contained like thriller where they're in like yeah. a, a, a prison holding like a, somebody oh, hostage. Okay. Stuff. It sucks okay. so bad for White because White. White is literally dying and standing up to be to be dead for a man who double crossed him. Yeah, yeah. You so feel bad for it him. sucks. Like it sucks, and that is why. So does White? Does White kill Orange? See again, there's I all have, these like I have diff- different three. Like as a kid, when I was thinking about yes. this, because 
pink takes off. Yes. But also you hear in the background yep. gunfire and yep. shouting and everything like that. In my in my head, I was like, I like these characters so much. I think pink got away. And then pink came in when the when the cops broke in. He was like, hey, buddy, sh- drop that fucking gun. Don't and I yep. think pink came in and shot those guys. And then him you and white, uh, pink and white got away. And they just kind of ran off. So you want that to be it. That's what you're... I wanted to happen as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there there's a couple fan theories here. One is that pink actually did get away right and that he had to go in hiding and as a sick twisted fucking game of the universe for this bad person I know this he had going. to change his identity and become a waiter <laughs> in full fiction at, at the buddy Holly, at the buddy holly place because this is why he's so unhappy in there he's like god damn it i'm a fucking waiter but there's also there's also another thought process that Many people think Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs are the same universe. We've yeah. already kind of established that. Yeah. Tarantino has confirmed that. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So there is there's some thoughts that that Pulp Fiction is a prequel to Reservoir Dogs, where Pumpkin is Mr. Orange. Ooh, you know, like like he he is actually uh, Pulp Fiction Pumpkin being before he then you know cleaned himself up and went into the police force. Uh, the Wolf is Mr. White. That was yeah. like what he did. Prior to this, uh, and there's dialogue that backs that up. His rant about not paying tips, Mr. Pink explained he used to work a minimum wage wage job, and that very job he's talking about could be a stint at Buddy Holly's. Yeah. Or as Buddy Holly at Jack Rabbit Slim. So just a thought there. That's crazy. I like that a lot. And that's fun. And that's, that's fun. That's fun, fun to think We're about. We're having a wow. great time. What that is fun to think what about. Fun. No I didn't say it was fucking true. <laughs> God. <laughs> what is the matter with you? Uh, well, actually. Well, <laughs> actually, you know what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Actually, what happened? If you go back. It's not true because you have different knees. If you go back and you actually read, <laughs> if you read the the Tarantino Encyclopedia. Oh. If you just actually tried, tried. Fuck. <laughs> Again, this was the big reason why I wanted to actually go back and read the script. Yes, I wanted to see if they wrote the dialogue of the cops the in the external? background. Did they? Very few lines of it. Okay. However, so it does say in that cops say. Get out of the car. Mm. Pink says, don't shoot, don't shoot. Then it ends that. Mm. And it does say, from what I read, that... (laughs) 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 That that, uh, White pulls the trigger and uh, then is shot out of of frame from a shotgun blast. Okay. Shotgun blast happens and he is knocked out of frame and cuts to so black. So white is mm. shooting orange, right? And then white is getting shot by cops, right? But we still didn't resolve pink. We technically didn't resolve okay. pink. He just said he, it ended don't with shoot, him saying, shoot. "Don't shoot, don't okay. shoot." And what a fucking song to end on! How do you do? How do you make that choice? How do you? How do you consciously be like, "No, no, no, it's cool because yeah. we're gonna end this. Uh, we're gonna end the Titanic with uh, Bawa to Ba." ba- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> thank you. We haven't given that a while. Yeah. <laughs> 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 hey, guess what? It probably would have worked. <laughs> the hot dog flavored water goes limp biscuit instead. Just like. <laughs> 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 
But no, for real, how do you have the balls <laughs> to be like, yo, lime in the coconut? Like, that's Dude. how we're going to end this unbelievably sad movie where everyone dies. It's the kind of song and ending of a movie where you stick around for the entire credits yeah. to listen to the song because it's such a good fucking song. And like, it's. Unlike Top Gun Maverick. Un- oh, yeah. Correct. Please. Okay. Thank Lady you. Gaga, yes. thanks for nothing. Why are we doing this? Yes, okay. Um, but it's like, it's, it's such a, like, it's. The tone of it is somber. Almost, but it's also ironic because that's what this movie kind of yeah. is. It's like it's 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 in on the joke with you. It's it's in on yeah. the story. This is all pulp, you know. Uh, to 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 put that in there, it is like very pulp. It's it's just like I don't know. It's it's this is all make believe. This is all cinema. Yeah. Okay, so that we're gonna play a song that's kind of does not have anything to do with the story that we just told but it's also very yeah. telling of what we just told i, I think it's the perfect ending one of one of the things that i i probably read into too much was in the lyrics it talks about um to relieve this belly ache and i feel like that was a reference to orange uh, yeah. Whoa. that's what i thought that's cool like to relieve this belly ache because in the the entire movie is his stomach and you know what that's fun to think about like that's that is fun. Will, that's a fun think. It's fun to think about theory yeah. that that's that's fake. The song was written before that. <laughs> I do. I think it's like he's he was technically you know he's like the, almost the focal point. He's he is the rat of these yeah. criminals. He's a cop. Is he the main character? I don't know if he. Yeah. I think he is. Yeah. I think you think so. Yeah. Yep. And I I think that's fun to think about. And I also think that. But the fact <laughs> is, like the entire movie is him reeling around with a fucking bullet in his in his stomach yeah. in his gut. And it's like to relieve this belly ache in that line to drink the lime and the coconut and yeah. like to relieve this and belly his, ache. His said, uh, uh, belly ache was relieved at that yeah. moment. He's asking for a doctor and he's got a belly ache. That's what my my mind goes. Hell yeah, dude. We have wow done it with a modern eye. We've talked about the untalkable Reservoir Dogs. We've Boom. done it. Modern eye rating. AJ, what do you got, man? I love this movie, man. It's something somehow that I can watch almost any time, but I'll be I'd be upset if I was watching it and other people weren't. You know what I mean? Like cuz I want to focus on the movie even though I've watched it a 100 times. I think it's it's like this rough around the edges type of movie that makes Number one is almost like a clinic for uh, uh, film students. Watching it also makes you feel like you can make a movie like this. Yes. You have the ability to do this, and that's what Quentin Tarantino did. And he was going to do it with $30,000 in black and white, and he probably would have succeeded even then. And I think that's the biggest thing. So, again, some of my favorite actors are in this movie. I love Tim Roth. Steve Buscemi is a king to me. Um, and uh, same with Harvey Keitel. So, uh, I'm going to give this movie a 9.2. Sean, what about you? I don't know how to say it any better, honestly, because like AJ hit it on the head where it's like, this is kind of a clinic in filmmaking and and like indie filmmaking. And it's like, if you want to make films, watch this movie and you can see how it's done. You can see the seams. It's kind of rough around the edges. Like he said, um, yeah, I, I don't need to say anymore. Just, just listen to AJ. Uh, this is a nine for me. Totally agree with everything. This is that the de- the definition of the the biggest band in the world and their first album just blowing it out of the fucking water. Yeah. Oh, just yeah. coming on the scene, being like, "Fuck everybody!" I just changed the game. Yeah, and that that is him. And and for me, it's it's still not my it's not my favorite Tarantino, but it is it. Even if this were my worst Tarantino, it's still fucking better <laughs> yeah. than most movies. So I'm an eight point four. 
Tyler Dark, executive producer, he said, what an amazing movie, gentlemen, from the soundtrack down to the cinematography. I love this movie. I love the breakdown of each of the criminals we get from the old vet to the young, fresh crook to the professional thief. The crew remains to this day one of my favorite crime teams in heist movies. The realism in the distrust as well as the visceralness we get from a wounded man, mm. which, to be honest, you see in a lot of Tarantino films now that I look back, mm, always has true. my undivided attention when I sit down and watch this movie. Seeing Mr. Orange writhe in pain in that car is uncomfortable to the max, but riveting at the same time. You truly want him to live and to get help. And that's not even covering Mr. Blonde's pure psychopathic behavior. I could rave about this movie all day, but I have to give it a score to tie up the episode. My modern day score is going to be an 8.7 out of 10. So that takes us to an 8.8. Three. Mm. 8.83. If you're looking all the movies we've done so far and overall score, that is number six. That is just above the Goonies wow. oh, and just below that. Home Alone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we went we were in the holiday spirit when we watched Home Alone. Okay, yeah. guys. I don't like, think we had an executive producer for that either. Uh, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. We didn't have somebody be like, this is the worst movie I've ever seen. So that <laughs> is a we fit- didn't have Jeremy then. So we could <laughs> yeah, get like, true. hey, what do you think? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if you watch Home Alone at the right point of the year, it's a fucking 10 for everybody. Yeah. So yes. I'm just saying it's a great movie. But that is that puts Red Reward Dogs at number six on our overall list. And we are glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks for being here. Tune in next Wednesday for another great episode. It's Patreon pick with Who Framed Roger Rabbit, and then we start the summer of 70s yes. with Jaws. Jaws. Hopefully maybe, Joey's maybe still even, listening. Maybe even Tarantino will, will listen to the summer of 70s. Yeah, think? that'd be he great. He sure does like us a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me if I was right about Harry Nilsson. <laughs> Quentin. Q. Qu- Quentin, call me! Tarantino. QT. I don't, I don't know. I'll be at the Cheesecake Hi. Factory. Cutie. <laughs> I'll be at the Sizzler if you want to get some grub. <laughs> and if you're new to the podcast, go back this time last year. Listen to Encino Man. Uh-huh. We, we destroyed <laughs> the main character of that movie. And I've had a lot of people reach out and be like, you know, you're absolutely right. It's I a never beautiful thing. Because <laughs> we, we don't discuss what we thought about no. a movie when, before we get to recording. And we all had the same assumption. We're like, this, this piece of <laughs> shit. This piece of shit. <laughs> Dave sucks. <laughs> Dave Morgan, like dot com. Dave Morgan is trash. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, we do have a voicemail. You can call us and leave us your thoughts on the show or tell us some fun stuff. 319-804-9596. Here's today's voicemail. Uh, what's up, guys? My name is Sarah, and I'm from Pacific Northwest, Oregon. Nice. So naturally, my little Oregonian heart was extremely happy when you did the Goonies. Obviously. Just wanted to call in and say, one, uh, you do indeed have women listeners, so go awesome. ahead and change your name to... LL Confused Breakfast, because ladies love ya. Um, and two, I keep thinking of recommendations, and then you guys keep fucking doing them, so good job. But the last two that have been on my mind are Forrest Gump, which is a comfort classic, of course, and the original Jumanji. We need more Robin Williams in this queue. Anyways, love what you guys do. Thanks for keeping me from wanting to murder someone when I'm stuck in traffic. You bet. Can't wait to see what's next for ya. Bye. What Loki, year is it? Sorry, love that we got the lady listeners. Man, it makes a lot. It makes a guy Forrest feel good. Forrest Gump and 
Jumanji. Holy Dude. shit. Great suggestions. Yep. Yeah. They will it. be done. Yes. <laughs> hey, my brother lives out that way, so I think he's like Washington. He's kind of close to you, so you could just see, meet my brother. He's single. He's, he's fun. He's a cool person. All right, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's single, but I just said it. Yeah, he's, I think so. Okay, bye. Yeah, thanks, Sarah. Thank you. <laughs> all right, thanks for listening, guys. Please stay in touch with us by following on all of our social media platforms at Confused Breakfast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, and Confused Be Fast on Twitter. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave a review on the podcast platform of your choice right now. Also, we have merch. You know you want to rep the Confused Breakfast in public. Mugs, stickers, shirts, all kinds of goodies. Go to confusedbreakfast.com for a direct link. And don't forget about our voicemail number, 319-804-9596. Links to everything you could ever need from us are in the show notes or at confusedbreakfast.com. This includes a way to follow all of us individually in our personal projects that we want you to check out. Mission of the day, tell your friends about us. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.